Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Their, you know, communities um, in, you know, suburbia. Uh, so if there's a disruption in the supplies to your grocery stores there, a majority of people are going to rely on fast food. So... The census statistics have 23.5 million Americans living in urban locations. Uh, so obesity and chronic health conditions could escalate if there's a lack of fresh food. All right, and they also mentioned less balance. Americans spend more time at work than any other country. Americans also take fewer vacation days and experience more job-related stress. So technology has really put us put us in constant contact with work, and a lot of workers are having problems disconnecting and having trouble relaxing. So there seems to be this disproportion in the work-life balance, and it can negatively affect everybody's health. All right, and then there's the perspective on pandemics. Uh, while we have seen an explosion of new diseases and pandemics over the last 100 years, we also find that cancer kills more people than pandemics, HIV, malaria, and tuberculosis combined. Get a perspective, people. Also, a natural resources are on the list because the environmentalists are always reminding us, hey, humanity is destroying the planet. The planet was made for Humanity, by the way. So we're being told that the natural resources are deteriorating. Air and water resources are at the top of the list for quality concerns and availability. So uh, it is reported that China has the worst air quality on Earth. I believe it. Have you seen pictures of their air? Oh, cut it with a knife. It's worse than L.A. All right, and then there's... People, there's a generation of concern here. A lot of different generations are weighing in with regard to who is worrying about what, especially about health, finances, the planet. Well, we find that the baby boomers are concerned about having enough money to care for their health problems in their golden years. So they are keenly aware of the changes in healthcare policies which could disqualify them from care, which we already heard. That's what's going on in the quack report, see? So this fear is because baby boomers understand all too well that free health care is not sustainable, and it will be highly influenced by finances and the right-to-life policies based on a person's current value in society. In other words, you're too old. We're not going to spend the money to fix you. I'm sorry, but that's just how it is. Right, So the millennial generation, age 18 to 33, are so stressed that they have other things to worry about other than their health or the future of their health care. Many of them can't afford to live away from home after completing college and can't afford their student loans. However, the millennials seem to be gullible about environmental and sustainability issues, so companies use that as an angle to market to them. 
And they are a generation that will most likely suffer from the highest rates of heart disease, asthma, ulcers, diabetes, and cancer. They are already an anxious generation of abusers of alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs. Now, the Generation Xers, those are the people aged 36 to 51, they're trying to pay off loans while raising families on low-wage incomes and feel financially insecure. So although they are concerned about how to afford health care, they are more concerned in the fact that their paycheck has not allowed them to save significant funds for retirement. Mm. And then there's the global issue. Uh, the environmental issues, the financial issues, the security issues, the health issues, you know, it's a global thing. And it all points to government institutions in the in control. Uh, well, ethical people are controlling it. These government issues are in control of unethical people. So when the wicked are in authority, the, it produces confusion, disorder, poverty, and people suffer. So to the wicked, ethics and morals are not considered illegal. Just ask Hillary Clinton and her server. So such people are not concerned with laws because they don't apply to them. And history is our witness that revolution overthrows tyranny. So good must revolt against evil, and disobedience to tyranny is obedience to God. You take it any way you want, but that's the hard fact. Now... Do the Americans want a decade of the same? Because the American people are going to be electing a new national leader soon. And if they want to stay on the trajectory from the last decade or not, that's what they got to decide. So some speculate, you know, the election is an illusion of freedom and it's rigged. Well, one thing is true. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's 2 Corinthians 3.17. So you want to pray that the Lord delivers America from tyranny. And God willing, if our supplication is answered, guess what? The wicked will then be at war against God. And we all know how that turns out. Mm-hmm. Well, in the meantime, in the meantime, we have options with regard to our health care. So scientific health care is expensive. And I reserve scientific health care for trauma emergencies. So we have medicinal herbs at our disposal for the everyday health issues. Now, God has instructed us to use those herbs. He says herbs are for the service of man and for the healing of the nations. That's Psalms 104.14 and Revelations 22.2. So herbs are packed full of super nutrition to help the body balance and heal itself. Now, our responsibility is to also avoid those things that undermine our health. So we can avoid many of the current healthcare epidemics with a lot of organ cleanses and immune-boosting herbs. And this in itself actually removes toxins that cause blockages and on a metabolic level. Yeah, and uh, when you do your cleansing and your immune-boosting, it strengthens the body and also the immune system. Uh, and reverses those immune-suppressing drugs, you know, your antibiotics and your vaccinations. And nearly everybody has encountered treatments involving antibiotics and vaccinations. So organ cleansing removes thousands of drug residues and heavy metals. Just think at how powerful you become by reversing that damage 
opening up the elimination channels and having free flow of toxicity out of the body. Those elimination channels are precious, precious, I tell you. So with this approach, cleanse and nourish, you know what I found? I found that a modest premium of $45 a month in catastrophic health insurance to cover the accidental trauma is all I need, right? So if more people exercise their options, they could free up their budget and save for their retirement. So if you want to exercise your God-given healing power, call the experts in organ cleansing and immune boosting. Call Apothecary Herbs. You can call to order or request a free product catalog. The number is 866-229-3663. And for our international friends, the number to call is 704-885-0277, or just visit them online at thepowerherbs.com. Thepowerherbs.com, that's where your healthcare options just became endless. Puts the power back in your hands. That's why it's called the Power Herbs. And uh, today's the last day of their 15% off for the 4th of July special. So take advantage. Orders over $55 will receive 15% off, and today's the last day, so uh, take advantage. And the code to use in the in the shopping cart is July 4, or you can use it over the phone if you want to place an order that way. And uh, get well and save money. What could be better than that? Hmm. Well, not too much, really, other than, you know, a righteous man of valor in the White House. All right, moving along. we got a few minutes before we got to take a break. So uh, we're going to be talking about things that can really take a bite out of your summer, ruin your day, and things we can do to uh, help us out. So the weather is really hot and muggy. I don't know if you noticed, but here in the southeast, it's like savanna weather. And um, that means, you know, people are kind of uh, peeling off the clothes, a little bit lighter, lots of shorts, sandals, you know, short sleeve uh, tops, and so, um, you know, people slather on the uh, bug repellent and all that stuff, but you still, you still can't anticipate everything, because sometimes, you know, fire ants can get a hold of you, bees can, or hornets, or wasps, yellow jackets, or how about some of these really venomous spiders can kind of just take a bite out of you when you were least expecting it while you were hiking. So, during the summer... A lot of people have allergic reactions to a lot of this. So why do bug bites deliver such misery? Well, it's venom. The bugs inject what is called a water-soluble nitrogen chemical through their stinger into you, right? And your body then has an allergic reaction. For those that are more sensitive to stings, venom is going to be more toxic. It causes serious health risks and possible death. They have anaphylactic shock response. So you'd be surprised how many times, you know, you've been probably within just a few feet of some sort of poisonous creature, right? And you didn't know it. All right, so about 20% of all the snake bites in the United States are life-threatening. And the, the good news is that compared to the all, all the world, the U.S. only has the most venomous snakes, doesn't have the most venomous snakes or bugs. That's Costa Rica. If you want venom, go there. Uh, they, they, yeah, I, I'm sure Steve Irwin checked it out. But, yeah, Crocodile Hunter, uh, 
Yeah, Costa Rica has the most venomous creatures on the planet in one area. Mm-mm-mm. So venom can be a problem, and you, you know, and if you go to the hospital, you go to the hospital, the ER. I don't know if you've uh, checked it out. You should. You should call up your hospital and ask them what it costs to have anti-venom given to you. Um, in North Carolina, one such person found out from a copperhead that uh, eight hours at the hospital getting anti-venom and then being in observation for less than a 12-hour period cost him $96,000. Mm-hmm. Do you think insurance is going to pay all that? Doubt it. Doubt it, doubt it, doubt it. So when it comes to uh, bugs and snakes, uh, you know, I, I don't like snakes. I sound like Indiana Jones when I say that, but I just don't like snakes. Anything that slithers and creeps along. Ugh. But snakes do have a purpose. They help prevent the spread of disease. They keep crop losses to a minimum because they eat a lot of rodents. So snakes were actually revered in ancient Greece. Yeah, they were considered, uh, ancient Greece liked them. The healers especially, they they would wrap some snakes on a stick and, hey, this is where we get our medical symbol, you know. Greek mythology god of medicine, um, it's the Alcephius. He carried two entwined snakes on a staff, and it's really the medical insignia of today. you got to ask yourself, why? Right? Why? Well, there are 725 species of venomous snakes worldwide. 250 contain enough poison to kill a human just with one bite. And by far the most venomous in the United States would be your copperhead. So this snake likes likes to be around rocks and a little bit of water area. So um, if you have like a rock garden or you have a swimming pool or a little, you know, fish pond, something along, or if you live near the lake, river, um, get ready to see some copperheads because they like that. They really do. Um, uh, Also, rattlesnakes, somewhat easier to avoid because they let you know if you're getting too close to them. But copperheads, coral snakes, and cottonmouth snakes, uh, they can be within striking distance of you, and you don't even realize it. Mm-mm. So for your safety, the safety of even your pet, we're going to go over a few tips when we come back from this break. Stay where you are. into the original medicine. Herbalist Wendy Wilson will be right back. The ancient 
Greeks thought thyme herb provided strength. Indeed, the chemical compounds of thyme contain antioxidants, an effective germicide that kills whooping cough bacteria and makes breathing easier. Just imagine what you can do with thyme herb when it comes to respiratory ailments like croup, pneumonia, asthma, and sinusitis. The extra benefit of thyme herb is that it soothes nerves and stops spasmodic coughing, so you can get some rest. Who says you don't have time to take care of yourself? Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free for time, tincture, and tea to soothe your cough and get some rest. 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International 704-875-8010 or online at thepowerherbs.com. tall buildings with a single bound? Faster than a locomotive? Whoa! Find the Superman in you! Listen to Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson. Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate in those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand, have a plan, have peace, and request your pandemic kit today. Or take your chances with the bad boys. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Financial obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll-free 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3w.thepowerherbs.com.
Talk. I'm your herbalist, Wendy Wilson, and we're talking about summertime stuff that can give you a bite, take a bite out of your day. We're talking about snakes initially here. You know, if you're if you're out and about, you know, avoid that tall grass area, especially if you like to go camp and hike. Um, and uh, because they're out in the tall grass looking for rodents, and you're just going to interrupt their their hunt for a meal, and they're just going to take a bite out of you instead. Also, don't stray off the hiking paths, right? And avoid rock climbing. Uh, they love rocks. And, uh, you know, unless you know what you're doing. And also, don't handle a snake without a professional training. And um, adult snake fangs are uh, three-quarters of an inch, and they can actually penetrate most boots. Beware of that. All right, so if you get bit by a snake, uh, you can tell. Uh, by the difference between the fang prong bite and that mark, if it's uh, if you've encountered a baby or an adult snake. Now, in a lot of cases, the venom from a baby or a young adult snake can be even more toxic. Therefore, you don't want to let the size of the snake fool you, okay? So you'll have, you know, bloody discharge at the puncture site, some swelling, bruising, of course, pain. You may have diarrhea, weakness, dizziness, fainting, Sweating, blurred vision, and even convulsions. So this is nothing you want to mess with. And you should seek medical attention as soon as possible, especially for children and the elderly. Okay. Now, what about those creepy spiders? Well, I couldn't watch the movie uh, Arachnophobia. I just couldn't. I just couldn't get into it. But I shudder to get, and I get those goosebumps, you know, just thinking about a bunch of spiders, especially big ones, aggressive ones. Now, the U.S. does not have the most poisonous snakes, but it does have some of the most venomous spiders like the black widow and the brown recluse. Now, your black widow spider has this orange hourglass mark on the abdomen, and it can be found most anywhere because it likes those warm, dark habitats, okay? So the brown recluse you know, has that violin shape mark on the midsection of the body, and it likes sheltered areas like, you know, wood piles, loose bark on trees, underneath stones, hollow logs, dark storage areas, closets, garages, basements, attics that you don't frequent, and uh, other seldom disturbed areas. So the brown recluse is not an aggressive spider. But it bites when it feels it's been disturbed. All right, so what are the symptoms of your bites from spiders? Well, if you encounter the black widow spider and it bites you, the symptoms are cramps, sweating, dizziness, headache, tremors, nausea, vomiting, pain, blood pressure spikes, and possible death. Now, death is rare and usually occurs if a child or an elderly person gets bitten. The bite from the brown recluse spider offers the following symptoms, weakness, nausea, vomiting, high fever, flu-like symptoms, joint pain, and possible convulsions. So this bite is very destructive to tissue and muscle at the, around, the, the, around the bite mark itself. So the tissue will accelerate and ulcerate and die and fall off and leave a gaping wound. And it really can take months uh, to heal, and it could leave deep scars. Now, if you go to the hospital, they'll debride it. Just get ready for that. So the destruction of the venom from a brown recluse can really encompass a, uh, as much as 10 inches in diameter around the bite. And it looks like a 
target, you know, a, a bullseye. So that's how you know it's a brown recluse. So if muscle is severely affected, then surgery is going to be required to avoid gangrene, um, avoid uh, uh, sepsis and in infection, and it can cause disfigurement. So the bite becomes painful and itchy around two to eight hours, and then the destructive force of the venom begins within 12 to 30 hours. Tissue muscle die and can fall off. So this is really important because um, I once encountered a farmer who, who stopped in, and uh, he knew I was an herbalist. And uh, he had on his, on his uh, ankle, he thought he was eating bite because it is, but for a day, he figured out, you know, and uh, he was correct. It was a brown recluse. He had been moving a wood pile, and even though he had uh, boots and socks on, somehow the bite, spider got in there and bit him. And so here he is with some swelling around the ankle and that bullseye mark. So um, he didn't want to go to the doctor. He just didn't want to do that. So uh, he asked me what I would do. And I said, well, um, we're going to draw some of the venom back out uh, topically. And we used skin poultice. And then I gave him immune boosting uh, and uh, blood cleansing herbs to catch what other venom got into the blood system. And then I gave him tissue-building herbs, our calcium formula, and, um, and of course, the anti-inflammatory pain relief as well. And uh, I told him, in about four hours, change the poultice, put another pack on, and um, let me know how it looks the next day. So the next day, he phoned. He didn't come by, but he called, and he said, it looks just like a mosquito bite. Everything's looking back to normal. So he didn't have any problems. And the sooner you get to those things, the better. Okay, so if you don't want to go to the doctor or if you can't get to medical attention, then you want to have some backup. And then, of course, there are scorpions in real warm regions. A scorpion likes to deliver a very painful sting by injecting venom deep into the tissue, and it can be very fatal. So scorpions rarely sting humans as they are kind of nocturnal. And you may want to check under your bed and in between your sheets as they like to scamper about into bedchambers and hide under your covers. So if you're in like, you know, South Carolina, Texas, Nevada, those areas, you might want to check. Um, so, but there are herbs that are very helpful in situations like that. Let's say you're hiking and you run into a batch of poison ivy, ochre sumac. Uh, you know, and your campsite is, you know, what, half a mile, mile away? What you going to do? Well, you're going to wash as best you can, but you better have some of that poultice, the skin poultice I mentioned. You just mix it up with a little bit of that bottled water you have and, and put it on where you came in contact, and that will neutralize the oils from the plant itself. So I hope none of you have to tangle with poisonous snakes or venomous bugs and spiders and such not, but we do have natural snake bite kits for humans and pets. Uh, that you can take with you around about. They're in a nice little one-pound pack. You can carry them with you. You can strap them through your belt, and you're portable. And at least you have some backup until you can get to medical attention and, uh, and, and kind of minimize the damage there. Now, pets, if they get bit by uh, venomous snakes, they metabolize the venom better than we humans, but the bite site becomes sort of like a brown recluse bite for them, and they have tissue damage. So you can minimize that as well. Uh, with the uh, pet 
snake and spider bite kit. So you have options for your pets too. And you'll find those kits and the skin poultice and the calcium liquid and the pain formula and all those good things at thepowerherbs.com. And you can call and request a free catalog at 866-229-3663, thepowerherbs.com. If you're serious about herbs, you need apothecary herbs. Right now, they do have the downloadable PDF version of the catalog on their website. If you just want to download it to your computer and have it there, that's perfectly fine. And uh, if you're on the website, do sign up for the free online newsletters. I got some calls today about the newsletters. I want to reiterate uh, the newsletters are email only, they're not hard copies, so you have to have email in order to get the newsletters. So, um, you can sign up, they go out each and every week on Tuesdays. The American Survival goes out. And then on Fridays, the HealthQuest newsletter goes out. So you get great information sent to you twice a week if you'd like to sign up for both. All right, we're going to shift gears, and we're going to be talking about um, an herb that I like to use, um, sometimes for cardio stuff, and it's called motherwort. I know it sounds like something a witch would have in her cauldron, doesn't it? But if you, if you're like, if you don't want to be like 25% of the populace and they suffer from uh, heart disease and things. We're gonna we're gonna check this motherwort out, okay? Now the statistics that we get from the American Heart Association and the CDC kind of alarming. Uh, they said the heart disease continues to claim victims in record numbers every year, and it's because they say of two main facts: uh, unhealthy lifestyle and the prescribed heart medicines. Hmm. Well, let's look. Official statistics are that millions of people worldwide die from cardiovascular disease, costs billions of dollars, that disease. And the United States alone, uh, in 2010, uh, it said we spent $300 billion on health care uh, for heart disease, which included uh, medical services, medications, and um, loss of productivity at work. So half of the deaths, for both men and women, are due to heart disease, they say. And one out of four Americans is, um, they say, a ticking time bomb. So we can expect that 700,000 Americans are going to suffer their first heart attack this year, and about 500,000 of them will suffer their second heart attack. So if you are male and you suffer a second heart attack, 13% of you are going to die, and 6% of the females suffering a second heart attack will die. Now, at least 20% are completely disabled with heart failure after the second heart attack. And some American cultural groups have a higher risk than others, like African Americans fare slightly better uh, with heart disease deaths than the whites do. So Asians, uh, Hispanics, American Indians, Alaskan Eskimos, they all have heart disease too, but by far, Caucasians and African Americans have the highest risk. Two-thirds of the heart attack patients don't make full recovery, can't return to work at all. Two-thirds. All right, here's some other facts. Most of you already know what contributes to heart disease. You guys are smart out there. You, you read, you listen, you know, but the factors measure... Uh, a 40% to 10% risk. So if you are inactive, if you kind of, you know, 
couch potato, 40% risk of having heart problems. Uh, if you're overweight, 34% risk on top of that. High blood pressure, 31, just lump that in there. And if you smoke, 21%. Uh, and if you have high cholesterol, add another 16. And if you have diabetes as well, 11% more. Can you see what we're saying here? <laughs> Doesn't look good. So most heart attacks occur, they say, on a Monday morning, and Saturday morning takes second place. So why do heart attacks happen in the morning? Well, the blood platelets tend to be stickier as you wake up, according to heart cardiologists. And if you survive a heart attack, one out of 25 are going to die within a year. Well, if you don't want sticky platelets, you need to use hawthorn berries. Okay, it protects the fibrinogen protein in your blood so your blood doesn't stick together and clot like that when it shouldn't. All right, if your blood gets too sticky and clots, you have fibrinogen that's turned to fibrin, and that's not good. So the antioxidants and the flavonoids that are in hawthorn berries protect that from happening, okay? Um, now, also, the statistics are, are telling us that the heart drugs... Um, kind of a problem. Allopathic treatment for heart disease, of course, um, they try to do damage control and manage the symptoms without getting at the cause of your heart problem. So heart patients are put on what are called healthier diets that don't contain any um, real salt. They have fake butter products. Um, and these all don't help, really. Uh, the processed salt, is a corruptible salt. It's devitalized. It doesn't have minerals that support the cardiovascular system like real sun-dried salt does. So real salt that's sun-dried, not processed, not white, looks like off-white or gray, that is actually cardiovascular friendly, helps keep your arteries and veins flexible so plaque doesn't stick. It helps, it helps maintain a healthy fluid balance, uh, strengthens up cell walls, and um, so real salt is healthy for you and doesn't create hypertension. So what everybody's used to, though, is a processed salt that's bad for you. So there's a big difference in the kind of salt you're using. And the Himalayan salt may have more shale in it, so be careful because that can affect kidneys. So you want to use an ocean salt, preferably from France. Okay, because when they check the chemistry of your fluids in your body and salt, it's it's perfect. So it's great for electrolytes. It's great for the central nervous system and so forth. Helps the neurotransmitters in your brain. So um, you want to definitely get some healthy salt. And if you're looking for the Celtic salt, it's on the PowerHerbs.com website. Um, they do have cardiovascular herbs, and we're going to get to that. But I want to highlight real quickly the motherwort herb, like I mentioned. Um, it's really a very empowering herb. It's one of God's medicines, okay, for the heart, along with your hawthorn berries. And I like to use it in the herbs I have in my, what I call my heart herb arsenal. Um, now, the old English word wart means plant. And the ancient Greeks and the Romans used motherwort mainly for heart problems. And it was used specifically for heart fluttering or palpitations or what we know as People, they call it arrhythmia today. And some people also use it for things like depression. Now, the ancient Chinese uh, claimed that motherwort was 
great for longevity. Well, yeah, if you didn't die from a heart attack, I guess so. So who knows? But 100 years from now, scientists may discover some of the new enzymes and nutrients in the motherwort plant that helps retard aging, and then it could confirm what the Chinese knew a long time ago. But motherwort became real popular in the 16th century when it was used to heal livestock. Yeah, British herbalists would give cattle motherwort as a remedy for nervous diseases. So later, Nicholas Culpepper, the herbalist, discovered that it was an excellent herb for heart conditions. He said it removed trembling of the heart, so it steadied out the heartbeat. Now, motherwort will soothe muscles and calms down spasms while it stimulates things like uterine muscles, and therefore you shouldn't use it if you are pregnant and it's not ready to have the baby yet. Okay, so if you're in the childbearing years, um, you don't want to use motherwort, especially if you're expecting because it could shorten um, incubation time for that baby. Um, now, some, some Indians used it to shorten delivery, you know, just to get, get that taken care of. Now, the common name for motherwort was um, given to the plant, and motherwort actually helps remove tension from muscles and helps people relax, sleep well. Uh, it also was used as an antidepressant. 19th century American colonists were using it as a tranquilizer for female birthing issues. So if women started to panic when they were starting to feel labor pains, they would give them motherwort so it made them calm down. They can focus on their breathing and deliver the baby. Now, scientists really don't think much of motherwort. Not really. But the ancients who used it for the heart aid, guess what? They were right, according to a study out of China that showed that motherwort relaxes heart cells and prevents blood clots that trigger heart attacks. So Russian researchers found that motherwort contains compounds that reduce blood pressure. And the German E-Commission approves of the use of this herb, motherwort, for the treatment of cardiac disorders. And they also discovered that motherwort offers this mild sedative action, and it's very effective at relieving things like insomnia and anxiety. So motherwort continues, contains a lot of compounds. It continues to, you know, serve Mankind, as God said, herbs are here for the service of man. So motherwort contains compounds that also work to stimulate uterine muscles. And therefore, pregnant women shouldn't use it unless they're under the direction of a physician or a midwife or someone to help them during labor. Now, women trying to um, become pregnant should not use motherwort as well. And if you are already taking anticoagulants, You should not use motherwort due to its anti-clotting coagulant factor already built into the herb. And likewise, you should avoid uh, doubling up on herbs that also thin the blood like garlic and willow bark because motherwort helps with that as well. So um, vitamin E supplements, um, if you suffer from a clotting disorder, uh, you don't want to use motherwort unless you're directed by your physician. And again, you might want to check out the hawthorn berries, okay? So if you're looking for motherwort, it is in the heart cholesterol blood pressure formula at the folks at thepowerherbs.com. It's under their cardio section. It's the heart blood pressure cholesterol formula. It has the motherwort added to that formula, as well as your hawthorn berries are in that formula. 
So you can uh, get, it's kind of like the Cadillac of the heart formulas there. Um, so check that out. They do have a heart attack pack. Um, if you want something, you know, one seconds count while you're waiting on her, you know, ambulance to arrive, you have some things. Um, also, they have the Celtic Sea Salt. Also, if, you're, if your heart patient and you're trying to quit smoking, they do have the Smoker's Helper formula. So check all that out at thepowerherbs.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-229-3663, 866-229-3663, thepowerherbs.com. And uh, get empowered. That's right. All right, we have a few minutes, and I mean a few minutes. Um, we may delve into this topic a little more next time. But it's uh, about female female issues. A lot of people uh, call with uh, fibroids, things like that nature. A lot of uh, fibroids can cause bleeding issues, and usually women go to their gynecologist. The gynecologist schedules them for surgery, and first thing you know, they're losing their uterus. You know, they're having a hysterectomy. So uh, two out of three women over the age of 35 get fibroids. Why is that? Why are they developing those fibroids? Um, Even women in puberty can get them, but um, what are they? Well, they're these uterine growths. Uh, It's made up of muscle from the uterus and fibers, other connective tissues. Um, Medicine describes them as non-cancerous tumors. But any fibroids present before menopause usually shrink after menopause, and, and maybe new fibroids develop, maybe not. But most women have more than one fibroid, and they can have hundreds of them. And fibroids can range in size from really small to really large, so um, in different shapes, and they can cause discomfort and, like I said, lots of bleeding and hemorrhaging. Um, so we don't have time to go into this entire subject. We'll have to leave a lot of that for later. But I just want to leave you with this. There are female herbs that help the body get rid of the fibroids. I've seen it over and over and over again. Women are just amazed, and so are their gynecologists. When they go back and they get examined, they go, what did you do? Well, I just kind of like eh, changed my diet. I exercised, and oh, yeah, I took these herbs. You know, so herbs contain super nutrition so the body can balance and heal itself. That's what it's about. Uh, So when you're using your female herbs, there's six of them that you should use all at the same time. And I think next time on the show, we'll get into that. But if you're looking for female herbal formulas, guess who has those? Thepowerherbs.com under four women only. So check that out. And uh, they have uh, several there. If, depending on your time of life. So if you're in the menopausal area, look at the female maturity. Um, if you're not quite that old, then the cycle balancer. And if you're trying to have a baby, well, then it's the fertility formula. So check that out, thepowerofs.com. And for you guys out there, if you're needing a little help there in the reproductive area, uh, we haven't left you out. No, no. Uh, we have the male hormone formula, which we've been told is the bomb. So uh, check that out if, you, if you'd like. And it's all organic Certified organic herbs, the till standards. Um, so uh, do read information on the page before you order. If you have any questions, uh, contact the folks at thepowerherbs.com. Their toll-free number is 866-229-3663. 866-229-3663. And don't forget, sign up for the newsletters. You'll be glad you did. Empowering information each and every week 
in your email, and they're free. American Survival and HealthQuest, sign up today at thepowerherbs.com under the Books and Newsletters tab. Check that out as soon as you can. Oh, I'm out of time. The information presented is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure disease. Seek medical advice if you dare from a licensed medical physician before using any product or therapy. I'm your herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Until next time, be well. heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. 
There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Good evening and welcome to the Covenanters Call. This is Pastor Mike Hoover, and we are broadcasting live from hot and muggy southern Indiana, and we welcome you to the broadcast this evening. We are a Bible call-in question and answer program. If you'd like to give us a call concerning something we're dealing with or you have a question, then call us here at American Voice Radio this evening, that free number, 1-800-932-1980. That's 1-800-932-1980. And if you'd like to save a dime for the Broadcasting Network, call on the local number, that number, 541-826-0953. Once again, 541-826-0953. And, of course, we would welcome your phone call. Appreciate those in the chat room. We've gone through a transitional period here. There is a new chat room uh, that I'm in this evening for American Voice Radio, and uh, I'm sure you can figure out the information for that. We'd love to have you in there, just a handful of us in there at this moment, but it's new, it's exciting, and uh, we encourage you to become a part of that. Just go to the American Voice Radio Network uh, website, and I'm sure the contact information is there. We would love to hear from you this week. You can write to me, Pastor Mike Hoover, 2569 North State Highway 337, in Orleans, Indiana, 47452. You can uh, drop us an email, themuggyown, T-H-E-M-O-G-O-L-L-O-N, at cleaninter.net, C-L-E-A-N-I-N-T-E-R.net. And uh, we would love to hear from you. The phone call or phone number here, 812-653-5578. Of course, we always welcome all of your phone calls uh, and uh, look forward to hearing from you. Now, we've been talking about 
final authority in essence. We've been talking about the King James Bible and uh, why we here at uh, Covenanters Call believe that God has preserved his word for the English-speaking people in the King James Bible, not in the NIV or the NASB or the, uh, the RSV or uh, the, even the new King James Bible. Uh, these are all fraudulent, and we've sh- shared a number of things with you concerning those things. And the, one of the points we're trying to make is that most people today don't believe in the concept of, of final authority. Now, if you read your Bible, you read that old King James Bible, you realize that on numerous occasions, God, in essence, teaches this principle that he is the Lord and there is none else. In other words, there's only one God. We're told in Ephesians chapter 4, there's one Lord. And, of course, that being the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But there is final authority. If people come knocking on your door today or later on this week trying to proselyte you into their man-made religion, you might have folks on your doorstep that call themselves Latter-day Saints. Uh, They are the Mormons. They're not really saints of God because they teach a false concept. And you can find out by asking them one of two questions. Number one, you can ask them what their religion teaches about Jesus Christ. And if it doesn't line up with what the old King James Bible teaches, then they're a cultish false religion. Or you can ask them if they believe in final authority. Now, most of them, of course, they send out their young people. They pay their own way. Uh, They're out there for two years uh, Recently, we had uh, uh, a couple of young ladies show up on the doorstep of, of uh, one of our folks' houses and, and began to talk to the people there. And, uh, they pay their own way. They have no business being out there as they are, especially the young ladies. They should be under the, the protection and the covering of their fathers. But anyway, that's another message. But uh, you ask them if they believe in final authority. They say, oh, yes. You ask them, well, you believe the King James Bible is the Word of God? Oh, yes. You believe in final authority? Oh, yes. But we also believe in the Book of Mormon. And we also believe in doctrines and covenants. And we also believe in our current reigning, living apostle. We also believe in the 12 that find themselves in Salt Lake City and so on and so forth. So in essence, these folks don't believe in final authority. There are a number of places that they go to get their answers. That is not, friend, final authority. You can ask any other group. And you'll find they do not believe in final authority because when you pronounce it, you believe in final authority. That means there's one authority that you go to, an ultimate authority. We believe that God's word is the ultimate authority for faith and practice on the earth today. And we believe God has preserved his word in the old King James Bible. Now, you can lump me into any group that you feel free to. You can think whatever you like. But the bottom line is this. It is not my responsibility to determine where the final authority is. It is God's responsibility to show me, and then it's my responsibility to believe it. Now, we talked over the last several broadcasts about the inconsistencies and the many modern, and I hesitate to call them versions, because they're really not the Word of God. Um, They change one jot, one tittle. They're not the Word of God. They've done that on numerous, multiple hundreds of thousands of times, or excuse me, tens of thousands of times. Therefore, it's not the Word of God. But there is a punishment. I want to share this with you. We ended our broadcast last Tuesday night dealing with this. Then I want to go on and show you an example of the gullibility of our people today and why it's so easy for an American to be led astray from the truth. Now, we talked about the fact that the Bible teaches that there is a punishment for those that delete and take away from the Word of God. You see, you've got to understand that God's Word is perfect. God's Word 
is perfect. Let me share with you very quickly some statistical phenomena that are only associated with the authorized King James Bible. Now, friends, what you're about to hear simply could not have been accomplished by the design of one man alone. Why? Because truly God had his hand on this English Bible, the authorized King James Bible of 1611. Now listen very carefully, and you check this out to see if it's true. There are 31,102 total verses in the authorized King James Bible. Well, when you add that three and that one and that one and that zero and that two, you get seven. Seven's the number of perfection and completion. Psalm 118 is the middle chapter in the authorized King James Bible. There are 594 chapters before Psalm 118, and there are 594 chapters after Psalm 118. When you add 594 and 594, you get 1,188. I want you to understand with me that the middle verse in the authorized King James Bible is Psalm 118.8. That's 1,188. There are 14 words, that's 2 times 7, in Psalm 118 and verse 8. And the middle two words in that verse, since there's even number of words, there has to be two words that are the middle. The middle two words in Psalm 118, verse 8, are these words. Listen. The Lord. Well, friend, that means the Lord is the center of the authorized King James Bible. Did you know tonight that no modern Bible, English Bible translation can claim that? We need to understand the perfection of the Word of God. And we also need to understand the gullibility of the people in the day in which we live. Now, I want to begin to see, well, I've already begun, but let's continue on. I want to ask you this question. Why should God bless America? We hear at a lot of the ball games, especially since 9-11 at a certain time in the ball game, someone with their warbly voice comes out there on the pitcher's mound or stands at home plate. Sometimes it's a, a, a group of people, but most often it's one. And they sing that song, God Bless America. Most of us know that, that song, Land That I Love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. You know, friends, with all the political posturing and campaigning kicking into high gear, as we came into the 4th of July and a presidential election just a few months down the road, it seems like a good time to take an honest, sober look at what the U.S. flag actually represents here and now in reality on planet Earth as opposed to what most people imagine that it symbolizes or that they wish it symbolized, we need to deal with reality. All right, friends, 
Let's deal with it right now as it actually exists. Why should God bless America? You see, friends, we have to stop allowing the American flag to be so successfully used as an off switch for biblical criticism. And to that end, this evening, I want to offer for your consideration ten things that the U.S. flag has become very clearly and very proudly associated with the world over for a good long time. Now, obviously, this is not a comprehensive list, and in no way am I aiming to minimize the many remaining freedoms and blessings that we do have here in America, by God's grace, and in spite of the American state and the power-mad pagans that are in charge of the major political parties today that are working so hard to steer this nation into tyranny and darkness. Now, my point and my hope in pointing to these truths regarding what the U.S. flags come to represent is not to merely throw stones or eggs, but to encourage every American to have the conviction and repentance necessary for American culture to be reconciled to Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. You see, friends, that's the only answer tonight. There is no answer to the turmoil in our society and in any political process. There is no answer to all that's taking place in our society today in a law that might be written or may not be written or taking the guns away or giving guns to everyone else. I want to encourage you to be reconciled to Christ. Why? So that America might avoid the death being begged for now by the manner in which we're, we enable and pursue the anti-Christian approach to things like law and war and economics and children's education, and I could go on and on because that's just how it's done these days. So listen very carefully. I want to work my way down from the least to the most important. So here we do. Here we go. What does the American flag mean today in our society? Number 10, state ownership of all real property. You see, friend, here in the land of the free, we're not even free to actually own our own homes. The state owns our homes. And if you've been operating under the illusion that Americans can actually own homes in America, just try not paying the state its rent. They call it property tax. And you see what happens. You see, the American state assumes ownership of all real property, charging renters an annual fee used to fund things like state-managed anti-Christian education for American children, which most parents, including most professing Christians, now seem to adore. These all-American temples of statism become more flagrantly sensual and anti-Christ by the week. And it seems yet American Christians keep right on feeding their kids to the beast. And usually, it's because their pastors encourage it. Number 10, what's the American flag represent today? Uh, state ownership of all people. Recently, I'm sure you've heard how American statists in the U.S. Senate passed legislation that would formalize state ownership of all adult women for the use of feeding them into its perpetual war machine. The fact of a claim to ownership of people is plain here, though by using the term draft or the term selective service, and wrapping the concept in the American flag and 
good old patriotism. Most state-programmed Americans wholeheartedly support state ownership of the American people, including their own daughters, wives, and mothers. Friends, that's a truly pathetic and cowardly thing we've become. Uh, but, oh, yes, we're still proud, very proud. Can't you hear the crowd standing up and chanting, USA, number eight. What does the American flag represent today? Well, it represents mass enslavement and economic domination through the black magic of monopoly money, a.k.a. the U.S. dollar. Now, of course, we've tried to help people understand again and again the whole false American state empire is literally funded and fueled with nothing that's real. The money it props up, that's the old U.S. dollar, those ferns that you have in your pocket, and then uses to dominate its own people and as many globally as possible is literally a fictional constructed self that's been crafted effortlessly out of thin air by some so that they might effectively own and control everyone and everything beneath them. The U.S. dollar is the epitome of what God describes as an abomination there in Proverbs 1 and verse 1. This is how the perpetual welfare state is funded and enabled to enslave tens and soon hundreds of millions of people. This is how the perpetual warfare state is allowed to build and field armies and navies that it literally could not even begin to afford in the real world under any sort of sane economic construction. And this is how the American state will continue to fund and grow these radically unbiblical constructs until and unless the satanic economic foundation of it all is finally brought down, which inevitably, if you've read the last chapter of the book, is going to happen. Number seven, what does the American flag actually represent today? Well, friend, it represents completely rigged free markets. You see, these days, the artificial propping up of things like stock prices and home values has gone well past the ludicrous and well into territory appropriately described as insanely destructive. Uh, by the way, with heavy emphasis on the insane part. It's now routine for bailouts and help for those deemed too big to fail and for the asset classes, that's homes and stock prices, deemed too important to have their value determined by anything remotely resembling an actual free market. Something that simply cannot exist when elitist manufactured monopoly money is the foundation of the whole thing, as is the case with any economy pegged to the U.S. dollar. Number six, what's the U.S. flag represent the God-given right to produce, promote, and consume pornography? Just try suggesting to the average patriotic American good old boy that things like porn ought to be outlawed. By the way, that's in clear accordance with the Word of God. And you'll get quite the strange look, probably followed by some verbal abuse, by the patriotic American in question, even if they claim to be a Christian. That's how thoroughly programmed we become to cherish and defend the all-American God-given right to produce and promote and consume the smut that fills our society today. 
Number five, what's the U.S. flag represent? The God-given right to gay marriage. Hey, when law's up for grabs and ultimately to be determined by we the people, apart from the word of God, then when the majority is for the absurdly perverse notion of gay marriage, then, friend, that's exactly what they'll get until they're finally squished completely under the righteous judgment of the holy God who owns them, their land, and everything else. Number four, what does the American flag really represent? Well, it represents the multi-generational promotion of explicitly anti-Christian education through the public school system, which, of course, are funded through the confiscation of basic property rights in accordance with the first point we made, and which also, no so co- not so coincidentally, represent multiple planks of the Communist Manifesto. What does the U.S. flag represent today? Number three, perpetual war with American state-funded terrorists abroad and the obliteration of basic privacy rights at home in the name of protecting liberty and freedom and the American way. Number two, what does the American flag really represent today? Well, number two, legally protected child sacrifice. You see, friends, we've become so comfortable with the ongoing symptomatic murder and dismemberment of American baby boys and girls by the millions that we barely even notice it anymore. And yes, a Republican appointment dominated Supreme Court just upheld this most satanic of systems that's now become one of the most well-known and most vigorously defended, quote, rights, quote, over which the flag of the American state flies. Hmm. And number one, what does the American flag really represent today? Number one, the God-given right to openly worship false gods, including Allah and even the devil himself. This is where it all begins, folks. The all-American repudiation of God's explicit prohibition of allowing the open worship of false gods anywhere in his land, and yes, That unbreakable law actually applies to we, the people, here in America. Yes, you heard me right. Allah is a false god. Demonic, really. And when you die, Mr. Muslim, you're not going to have the playground that they've lied to you about once you leave this mortal plane. You will be sent to a place that's prepared for the devil and his angels and spend all eternity in hellfire. You see, friends, these are the hard but undeniably true realities that we have to deal with as Americans. And as the American state cracks and teeters and falls around us, we have no business being surprised by it. How could it do anything but crumple up and die in a universe defined and held together by the unbreakable nature of Almighty God. We also have no business being fearful. Fear of America or what might become of America or what might happen after America is gone is the antithesis of faith in God. 
Listen very carefully. We're just about to go to break here in a couple of minutes, but listen very carefully. Our hope is not in America. Our hope is not in America. America's hope, its only hope, is in Jesus Christ. In submission to Christ as king in practice. See, that's the truth that we have to continue to proclaim and apply in our lives at every opportunity. And friends, even as America fades into history and the kingdom of God continues on, conquering every corner and every aspect of God's creation, all by His grace, all for His glory, and all to the eternal benefit of His people. This is something that we need to understand. That is what the American flag represents today. When you see it standing there in the corner of the room, when you see it upheld in the marching parade, especially when you see that golden tassel representing admiralty law surrounding its boundary. You've got to realize that that grand old flag, as compared to what God's Word has to say, has become nothing more than a dirty old rag. But the gullible people of the United States today have swallowed the patriotic religionism that's been placed before them. And they believe it hook, line, and sinker. They are gullible. Now, Lord willing, in the second half of our broadcast this evening, I want to share some thoughts with you from a preacher friend of mine. I'm not going to claim it as my own. You stay tuned for the second half of the Covenanters' call. needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Welcome back to the Covenanters Call. Once again, love to hear from you this week. Uh, you can write to me, Pastor Mike Hoover, 2569 North State Highway 337 in Orleans, Indiana, 47452. Drop me an email, the muggy own at net, or you can uh, give us a phone call, 812-653-5578. And let me be an encourager tonight to you to support American Voice Radio. Boy, everything's clean and fancy here, new chat room and and even pictures of some people in the chat room. There's a couple of couple of good-looking guys in there if you want to go in there and and uh, check it out. I guess the other guys may be a little bit bashful about how they look, but uh, you can check that out, that out in the chat room. And I uh, want to let you folks know that the 7th, 8th, and 9th, I believe, of October, uh, that Pastor Keith Hoover and myself be preaching up in Appleton, uh, Wisconsin. We'll give you more information about that. If you're up there in that area, we would love to meet you. But uh, that's just something that you could be looking forward to. Now, real quickly, and I, I don't think I'm going to have time to, to give all of this to you in only one portion of the broadcast, but I want to give you an example of, of the mindset of our society today and the gullibility. Now, I, I just shared some things with you there in the last part of the first half of the broadcast that the American flag honestly represents as 
contrasted to what they tell you it represents. Now, let's go the other way. Let's talk about another flag. As I said before the break, this is uh, uh, a message that a friend of mine preached. If you'd like more information about it, like a copy of it, just contact me. But let, let, let's go to the other side of the, of the story, and let's, let's correct what has been misre- misrepresented about uh, a flag in our American past, all right? I want you to listen very carefully because this is very important. Take your Bibles, if you have them, and turn with me this evening to the book of Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter 1. I'd like to read one verse there as we begin. Numbers 1, verse 52. And the children of Israel shall pitch their tents, every man by his own camp, and every man by his own standard throughout their hosts. Now, note that phrase. Every man by his own standard throughout their hosts. Now, look in chapter 2 and verse 2. Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch his own standard, or banner, or flag, if you please, with the ensign, banner, or flag of their father's house, far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. And on the east side, toward the rising of the sun, shall they, they of the standard of the camp of Judah pitch throughout their armies, and nation, the son of Amminadab, shall be captain of the children of Judah. Now notice, if you would please, verse 10. On the south side shall be the standard of the camp of Reuben. According to their armies, and the captain of the children of Reuben shall be Elzor, the son of Shadur. Note on the south side shall be the standard of the camp of Reuben. Now look at verse 17. Then the tabernacle of the congregation shall set forward with the camp of the Levites in the midst of the camp. As they encamp, so shall they set forward, every man in his place by their standards, on the west side shall be the standard of the camp of Ephraim according to their armies, and the captain of the sons of Ephraim shall be Elishama, the son of Amihud. Then look at verse 25. The standard of the camp of Dan shall be on the north side by their armies, and the captain of the children of Dan shall be Ahiezer, the son of Amishadai. And then verse 31. And they that were, excuse me, they that were numbered in the camp of Dan were 100,050 and 7,600. They shall go hindmost with their standards. Now notice verse 34. And the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they pitched by their standards, and so they set forward every one after their families, according to the house of their fathers. Now let me begin this by asking you a simple question. Why in the world was there so much fuss over a flag? Is a standard, a banner, an ensign, or a flag worth fighting about? Everyone knows that a flag is a symbol. It represents something. But what is it a symbol of, and what does it represent? Now, if you'll study your Bible, you'll find that our English word flag does not occur in the Bible except to refer to the reeds, or more specifically, the paper plant that dwells by the riverside. But if you'll take the time to go through with a concordance, you'll find that the word banner, the word standard, the word ensign, occurs over and over. I want you to see, by way of introduction, the importance of a flag or the importance of a standard. You see, when the children of Israel were camped in the wilderness, they, they camped everyone under their own standard. 
do you realize that they were centered around that tabernacle according to their standards as well? If you look back in your Bibles to the book of Numbers 2 and verse 2, note this statement. Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard. So evidently a tribe had its own standard with the ensign of their father's house. So there were not only tribal standards, there were also family standards. So usually then each family carried two banners, one for their tribe and one for their father's house. And of course all of these families in Israel, all of the tribes, then were centered around that tabernacle. When they marched, they marched according to the order that God gave. Now there were four leading tribes. The tribe of Judah, the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Ephraim, and the tribe of Dan. Now according to tradition, the standard of the tribe of Judah had a lion on it. Hence we know Christ as the lion of the tribe of Judah. That of the tribe of Reuben had the likeness of a man's head. That of the tribe of Ephraim had the figure of an ox. And that of the tribe of Dan had the symbol of an eagle. Now if you'll study the book of Ezekiel, you'll find the four living creatures there that Ezekiel saw had the faces of these four standards that are mentioned in Numbers chapter 2. Now I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 20 and verse 5. The Word of God says this, We will rejoice in thy salvation, and in the name of our God we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. So banners, or flags, then have a religious significance. Here is the importance of the banner. We set it up in the name of our God. It represents our theology. It represents our Christianity. Now look in your Bibles to Psalm 60 and verse 4. Now notice how plain the Bible is here. Psalm 60 and verse 4. The Word of God says, Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed because of thy truth. So then God gives us a banner that we might display that banner. Well, the question is why? That's because of the truth, not because of error, not because of anything else, but because of the truth. Now, go back in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 17 and verse 15. You're going to be surprised when you find one of the names of God mentioned here in the Bible. Exodus 17:15. The children of Israel had fought against the Amalekites and had won. God had given them the victory. Exodus 17, 14. Now, note what God tells Moses. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. Jehovah Nissi. For he said, Because the Lord had sworn that the Lord would have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now, note, Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi means the Lord our banner. In other words, God is the banner of his people. 
The name of God is associated with the warfare of his people. So a flag, then, is not just given to us for the truth, but God himself is said to be our flag, our banner. Now, look in your Bibles at the book of Isaiah, chapter 59 and verse 19. Here's a very powerful verse. Look at Isaiah 59, 19. Now, note, if you would, this verse. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard or banner against him. Now, did you hear what I just read? When the enemy shall come in like a flood, then the Spirit, that is the third person of the Trinity, then the Holy Spirit shall lift up a standard against him. Now, let me ask you a question. If the Holy Spirit is lifting up a banner, if he is lifting up a standard against the enemies of God's people, what standard or what banner is he lifting up? Look in your Bibles to Isaiah 11, verse 10, and you'll find out. Notice, if you would, please, what the Word of God says concerning Christ. And I quote, And in that day there shall be root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign or a flag of the people, and to it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. So, when the enemies of the Lord come in like a flood, the Spirit of God lifts up a standard against them, and that standard is Jesus Christ. So God the Father is set, is, has said in the Scripture, and is said in the Scripture to be our banner. God the Son is said in the Scripture to be our banner. Well, friend, I don't know about you, but I believe God places a great deal of importance upon banners and flags and ensigns in the Word of God. Now, no one can deny the importance of a standard based upon the Word of God. But let me ask you a question. What about the Confederate flag? Is the Confederate flag a Christian symbol? Interestingly, when you mention the Confederate flag, Usually what comes up in someone's mind is the battle flag that most of us have seen. The stars and bars. That's the battle flag. Now let me point out the fact that there were five major flags. There were many, many more. But the first flag I want to point out is the Bonnie Blue flag, which was a solid blue flag with a single star right in the middle. Now, the Bonnie Blue flag was the unofficial flag of the Confederate States of America. It was never officially adopted, but it was an extremely popular flag, and there's a song written about it from that period. Then secondly, there's what is known as the first national flag, which is sometimes called the Stars and Bars. Now, there's a problem, and we're going to deal with that just a little bit later. But the stars and bars looked a lot like the stars and stripes. There was a conflict because of that. Then thirdly, there was the second national flag, which is referred to as the stainless banner. It just had this symbol in the upper left-hand corner, and then it was pure white. It was silk. The only problem with the stainless banner was when the wind was not blowing and it was folded, 
It sometimes looked like a flag of truce or a flag of surrender. Then fourthly, we have the third national flag, and that was the same stainless banner, but with a solid red bar all the way down it, and that is the one that is usually flying today. It was officially adopted, but very few of them were issued. And then, of course, we have the Confederate battle flag as we know it. Interestingly enough, the first four flags are very rarely spoken against because most people don't even know about their existence. And they're totally, absolutely ignorant of them. And so, consequently, it's the battle flag that catches most of the flag. So let me begin with some negatives. I want to tell you what the Confederate battle flag does not represent. I want to tell you what it does not symbolize, and I want you to hear me very carefully, because I'm going to give you the historical proof for what I'm going to say. First of all, the Confederate battle flag is not a racist flag. Let me repeat that. The Confederate battle flag is not a racist flag. I can hear it now. Preacher, you don't know that the Ku Klux Klan uses the Confederate battle flag. Don't you know that the white supremacist groups use the Confederate flag? Don't you know the hate groups use the Confederate flag? Well, yes, I know this. But I also know that they use the stars and stripes. And I also know they even use the Christian flag as well. Let me ask you a question. Why are not the stars and stripes and Christian flag considered racist flags as well? I mean, if someone's going to be guilty by association or if something is going to be guilty by association, I can show you pictures of the KKK marching in Washington, D.C. And there's not one Confederate flag amongst them. They're all carrying the stars and stripes, the U.S. flag. If we are going to condemn the flag because the KKK and the white supremacists and the hate groups use it, let's condemn all flags. Let's be consistent. Let's condemn the stars and stripes. Let's condemn the Christian flag. Of course, consistency is not an icon of our society today, is it? Let me ask you another question just to show you the absurdity of this position, do you realize that the Darlington 400, for years, used a picture of the Confederate flag on its billboard and advertised itself as the Rebel Raceway? Does that mean that anybody who attends the Darlington 400 is a racist? What about the Scottish soldiers? I'll explain some of this later. Even today, Scottish soldiers who were in the British Army wear the cross of St. Andrews. Well, does that mean that all Scottish soldiers are racists as well? Let me show you the enmity and the hatred and the venom that's being spoken against this flag. And I'm going to tell you why before I uh, close this particular dealing on my broadcast. It will probably be next week. But I found a website, and the name of the website was basically The Confederate Flag Must Go. And it was put there by a man by the name of Jack Crawford, who evidently is a black man, based upon his other writings. And here's what he said. 
And I'm quoting from him verbatim. I took this off his website. He says, and I quote, The Confederate flag is a well-recognized international symbol of racism, slavery, hatred, murder, and white supremacy. It should be outlawed, not just banned. Anyone flying it should be corrected in a manner that is usually reserved for overseers, slave masters, and leaders of lynch mobs responsible for the murder of children. Am I clear? End of quote. So what does Mr. Jack Crawford say here? He says anyone who flies this flag ought to be condemned to death. That's what he says. That's basically what he's saying. What would you do to a murderer who formed a lynch mob and hung a child? Well, very clearly, you'd see that he got the death penalty, right? Well, that's what this man is saying. Now, let me tell you quickly, Mr. Crawford's statement is not historical. It is unconstitutional, and it is untrue. Do you realize that most attackers of the flag are either motivated by historical ignorance or pure, unadulterated malice toward the South, its symbols, its heritage, and its people? In 1994, a Harris poll found that two-thirds of black Americans had no problem with the Confederate flag. No problem at all. Why in the world make the flag an issue? In fact, there are numerous black Americans that speak out for the Confederate flag. Let me give you one of them. R.J. Wilkins of Miami, Florida had this to say. They were flying the Confederate flag at the Capitol in Tallahassee, Florida, and he wrote this, and I quote, I'm a black man who's not offended by the flying of the Confederate flag beside the Capitol in Tallahassee, Florida. The Confederate flag is as much a part of my history as it is of any white person. It may not represent the best of my race or be held by some as a contribution to this country's greatness, but it does to me. My grandparents were part of the plantations. They worked the cotton fields, cleaned the big houses, and in many ways supported the development of American society. We should let the Confederate flag fly as a reminder of our American history, both black and white. End of quote. But friend, let me tell you something. You want to hear a black man speak out and speak the truth? Then let me give you a quote that W. Earl Douglas gave. He was a black journalist in Charleston, South Carolina. He's now dead. But here's what he said concerning the Confederate flag, and I quote, If hate had been the prevailing emotion between the races, then it is a safe bet that the Confederacy would have never been born. Did you hear what he said? If hate had been the prevailing emotions between the blacks and whites in the South, he's saying it's a safe bet that the Confederate flag would have never, ever been born. I continue. Fortunately, he says, there was love, understanding, and compassion. Now listen to what this black man says. I continue my quote. And the two greatest lies ever perpetrated by history are, number one, that the South instigated the war, and number two, that it was fought by the North for the purpose 
of freeing slaves. The Negro was merely used as the excuse for that war, while the real reason for it is reflected in every area of our lives where the tentacles of government form the bars of a new slavery. No, don't furl the Confederate battle flag. Let it wave all across the South to remind Americans that there exists here a yearning for liberty, freedom, and independence that will not be denied. Let it fly as a testimonial to real men and real women who would rather work and fight and shed tears than to beg the government for charity. This man understood, folks. He had more sense and more knowledge than most people today. You see, friend, the Confederate battle flag is not a racist symbol, and it never has been. But because of the society in which we live today, because of what we hear pumped out of our supposed governmental offices to help us to the point of a better understanding, people believe today that it represents racism. They believe that it represents the reason that the North attacked the South. Lord willing, next Tuesday night as we continue sharing this with you, you're going to find from history that that's not really the case in what happened. You see, people today believe that the stars and stripes represent something that they really do not. And they believe that the Confederate battle flag represents something that it really does not represent either. It was never a racist symbol, never was, and never has been, but because of the gullibility, because of the foolishness, because of the indoctrination of our society's government school system, because of the lack of the truth across the pulpits of this land, because of the fact that most pulpits today are filled with pipsqueaks that preach pablum that's politically correct, in order that not only they appease the politically correct-minded people in the pews, but also satisfy the government to whom they've signed over everything through their 501c3. They simply want to not make waves. Are you gullible? This is the Covenanter's Call. I appreciate you tuning into the broadcast this evening. Let me remind you that I would love to hear from you this week. You can write to me once again, Pastor Mike Hoover, 2569 North State Highway 337 in Orleans, Indiana, 47452. You can drop me an email. I would love to receive an email from some of you folk. That email address is themuggyown at cleanenter.net. That is T-H-E-M-O-G-O-L-L-O-N at C-L-E-A-N-I-N-T-E-R dot net. Some people say, Preacher, where in the world did you get that handle, the Muggy Own? Well, that comes from the Muggy Own Rim. A rim, a plateau about 7,500 feet high north of Payson, Arizona, north of where we lived and pastored for over 18 years. That's where we got that name. Or give us a phone call at number 812 653 5578. Now, I want you to know there's more 
interesting programming coming on this broadcasting network this evening. So please don't jump from here. Please stay tuned in, and uh, you will uh, enjoy what you hear here. And uh, that is H-E-A-R-H-E-R-E. And you might even learn some corrections to your history. You might even learn that what you thought wasn't so and what you've been told isn't so either. See, that's what American Voice Radio is all about. So you be a supporter of this broadcasting network. I hear the music. My time's up. Till we meet you again on the airwaves, may God bless you is our prayer. Have a great evening. Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it, to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. 
Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Texas? Nope, I have not. I'm going to have to send you a copy. 
of some of what I've got. I've been going through one document. I have a document that's now about 13,000 words, and that's probably a third of that are my comments. Um, it's a collection of three items. This guy is fighting with the IRS. They claim he owes them over a million dollars. I haven't read his paperwork. I've got something like five of the documents that are associated with the case, which I haven't yet read. I'm reading the first kind of like an introductory comments on the case by the author of the case, man by the name of Trowbridge, and at least one other person, their comments and analyses, and I'm throwing my two cents in the rest of it. This guy is, he has apparently set the IRS back on its heels. All right. Now, you might be interested in this. I know you have a little interest you normally have in the IRS, but I just thought maybe you would have an interest in this. I don't know. Um, he has effectively argued, he's at least brought up the issue that they are trying to impose the tax in something other than a state of the union. <laughs> now, he's arguing that he thinks that this flows from Washington, D.C., where I'm inclined to think, where I'm inclined to think that we are caught in a territory of the United States or a state of the United States, an administrative district of the United States. He thinks we're being, we're being ensnared by Washington, D.C. He's not the first one to think oh, so, and oh, he may be exactly right. Okay, well, let me, let me wait a minute. Let me see that I understand this. So he's saying, okay, whereas... He's saying the court doesn't have jurisdiction well, whereas, within, the county, within right. the county where this alleged debt Occurred. Well, yeah, but that would apply to you or me, but, uh, you know, what we, we we think, too. But, I mean, okay, so the difference is between a territory, a military district, or some creation like that, well, he's saying, what, that the Washington, D.C., they have expanded the D.C. He's saying that the nature, the definitions and nature of the United States district courts are such that they don't have jurisdiction within the states of the Union. I believe that's true. This is our fun. This is this is a fundamental argument we've been advancing on this program and talking about it. I mean, we've been talking about it for years and talking about it on this program for a couple of years anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, we get to it every so often. And where you and I have been theorizing on this, he has apparently put together. I've looked at his paperwork and it looks professional. I mean, I've only skimmed it. I'm not saying anything about the content, but I'm saying the paperwork that he's made to to appeal this uh, situation and try to try to get the case against him dismissed, the paper look work looks professionally done. He's not an attorney, so far as I know, um, but he does know something about the law, and this is a pretty exciting case. It's like anything else. I don't care what anybody does. I'm going to have an opinion that's going to say, well, you should have done it this way, or if I was doing it, I would have tweaked it to the left or to the right or whatever. But nevertheless, even though I may not agree with everything this guy is doing, um, I, he's into something hot. Yeah, he has foundation. apparently caused, uh, there are I mean, two cases here. He, he refers to a sister case, and I don't have this all clear in my mind yet. There's still some confusion. Probably always will be. But <laughs> oh, it just at least worse. one of his cases... The government has simply stopped prosecuting for 14 months. Right? Mm. Now, 
That doesn't prove anything. He has, no, doesn't have a victory. kind of like what happened to you. Yeah, it does. It sounds like he has raised, raised an issue that they don't want to touch. And the issue is they don't have any jurisdiction to collect these taxes, issue judgments within what he says is Tyler County, Texas. I would have said the county of Tyler, the state of Texas. But nevertheless, he's raising this issue and he's arguing that the court doesn't have jurisdiction and the territories and or uh, of the, the, the jurisdiction of the territorial and or Washington, D.C. courts does not apply within Tyler County, Texas. I'd quibble and I'd say the proper name for the state is not for the state of the union is not Texas, but is the state of Texas. That would be on my argument, sure. but he may be right. I might be wrong. Well, and you I know what, though? The proper name for the county. Within the his, county of Tyler rather well, than Tyler County. Within right. within his paperwork, though, he mm-hmm. can define it. I understand. And then he can that. call it whatever he wants throughout the paperwork. Well, it's not only that. Even if he's right and I'm wrong in the way I look at it, we're, we're running on parallel paths here. Sure, yeah. It, I, it we're, he, we're going in the same direction, <laughs> and I'm just talking about it <clears throat> in theory, and he's actually litigating it. Well, it's so, it, it's, it's almost like, stuff. you know, when you build a house, it's like, okay, so you got two houses, and the foundations are exact. Mm-hmm. And then you decide, well, I'm going to use wood to build my house, and he's going to use stone to build his house, and... There's still the identical foundation, and that's what this sounds like. That this is that's what it sounds like to me. For the, you and know. here's the other point: even if you're wrong, let's suppose that I'm right, and I'm arguing that it, that they they don't have territorial, they don't have constitutional jurisdiction within the territory of Texas and/or the administrative district of Texas. Or excuse me, they would have it there, but they don't have it within the borders of the state of Texas. That would be my argument. Even if I'm wrong, once I've presented that argument, particularly under oath, and I've introduced it essentially under oath into the record, somebody's got to take the witness stand and say, uh, silly rabbit, you're wrong. Here's why, and here's where the jurisdiction, here's why we do have section within a state of the union i might be making the wrong argument but once i raise that issue they've got to prove that they're right and i'm wrong and And that means they've got to spell it out and they got and i don't think they want to and And that's what's put them in this position where they're not gonna they're not gonna they haven't said anything for 14 months well and the other thing is they can't just get up there and say well silly rabbit let me tell you why you're wrong they gotta say well silly rabbit let me tell you why you're wrong and if i lie I agree to go to prison. Yeah, I understand. Because this is under oath. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a difference there. You know, well, hey, the prosecutor or anybody, can they can lie. They can say whatever they want. Well, silly rabbit, that's not true because blah, blah, blah. Well, where's your witness? You can't just say that. I've, I've said it under oath. Now, to rebut it, that's what you have to do. Someone has to come out, and they have to swear to the contrary. They say, you're wrong. And here, okay, 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 I'm wrong. Now tell me what's right. Well, we can't tell you that. All you can do is say that you're wrong, but we can't tell you what's right. No, you're going to have to tell me if what I'm telling you is not true. All right? It's a mistake. It's wrong. Whatever. You need to tell me what's right. (laughs) And that's when you let all of the cats out of of that bag. And all of a sudden, you've got a bunch of cats running free 
and now you you won't be able to catch them. Well, I think that, back. gosh, just hearing about it's very encouraging to me. Well, I'll send you a copy of what I've started with this, and it's got the links. In fact, you can find this uh, at, you can find, I think, all of the documents, and I think I think all of them can be found at supremecourtcase.wordpress.com. Supreme Court case is the first, is just no space between the words. Right. Dot wordpress.com. And they have a number of articles and copies of his documents and whatever in PDF format. And I believe you can find them all at that location. But I'll send you a comment of what I've done here. And the analysis, I've, my, you know, I stick my opinions in here and I say, well, this is what I think, you know. You know, I'm not telling, I don't ever tell anybody I'm, I'm, what I'm telling you is absolutely true. I'm just saying, that's what I think. What do you think? You know? Well, you know, too, that a lot of the things that, well, we've talked about on here can be mm-hmm. used in conjunction, you know, with things like the man Almost and other anything. animals. And, you oh, know, yeah, I know. And, Almost and you take anything. that with this. And you take it and put it with that and say, well, look, man, this is kind of fool. Then you take some of the other stuff. You know that that people have have I've watched people fail at because you know they only went so far they didn't know like you can't say in court because I I'm using this as an example that I actually watched myself you can't tell the judge you're not surety and when he asks you what surety is you don't know yeah I know you can't do that you will lose yeah, even if you're right he's gonna he, he makes unless you dumb unless and, you're unless you're a gray-haired parrot. Or whatever it is they call them, uh, an African parrot. They can say, "I'm not a surety. I'm not a surety." I'm a, yeah. yeah, but it's, it all right, work. get that yeah. parrot out of here. Yeah, it won't work in court. So you gotta, you gotta, you know. But that too, you add all that whole thing with the look. Uh, you know, we got a fiduciary. I'm the beneficiary. I'm not surety. I'm a man made in God's image, and mm-hmm. you don't have no jurisdiction. You don't have any jurisdiction here. <laughs> because I'm within the borders of the state of Texas. I mean, I'm excited by this case. A friend of mine, uh, Rick Donaldson, brought this case to my attention. He posted a little note on my blog back probably about five days ago, something like that. And he said, have you seen this case? And I saw the note and said, no, I haven't seen it yet. But I, I took a look to the link at the link he provided, and I got excited about this. I mean, this guy is challenging the territorial jurisdiction. He, what he says, and let me read a section. Petitioner requested United States District Judge Beryl A. Howell in the United States District Court for the District of Columbia among other things, and he says there's three legitimate courts, and one of them is in the District of Columbia, one of them in Mariana Islands, and one in Puerto Rico. So he has made, he's made a, a motion for a temporary restraining order to the trial court, which is the United States District Court, down in Tyler, Texas. And he wants the District of Columbia Court to issue a ruling that they can't proceed on this, And he says, petitioner requested of United States District Judge Beryl A. Howell in the United States District Court for the District of Columbia, among other things, a temporary restraining order on enforcement of the Lufkin. That's that's a city in Texas, and presumably that's where the federal court question is. The Lufkin, Lufkin judge's final judgment 
and presented the following controversy for resolution. This is the question that's being advanced here. And this is the only question. And unlike most patriots and the rest of it, although some of his paperwork, he's got one document that's over 100 pages, he's got some others that are short. All right? And I I haven't read all of his stuff, but most patriots, they just throw it all at the wall, everything you can find, and see if anything sticks. Mm -hmm. He doesn't seem to have done that exactly. But the question is this. This is the fundamental question, and these are his words, not mine. Whether the territorial jurisdiction of United States district courts is coextensive with the territorial legislative power of Congress or extends to Tyler County, Texas. Now, that's probably, that, that's probably not immediately clear, but what he's trying to get to is whether or not the courts can have territorial jurisdiction in Tyler. Federal courts can have territorial jurisdiction within Tyler, Texas. He's arguing that they can't, and he's done. And if he hasn't created a winning argument, it's like anything else. Anybody can be beat. I don't care how smart you are. You can be beat. Hey, even Michael Jordan lost basketball games. Yeah, that's right. Uh, But, you know, you can't guarantee that you're going to win these things. But he's given them a heck of a run for their money. Well, yeah, and and there's something to be learned. You know, from this, if nothing else. You know, because when you see somebody put it together, and they're going to have something to say about it eventually, unless they mm-hmm. just walk away forever, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and then he could put in it, well, then look, if you're not going to prosecute this, then vacate. You know, I mean, it's just, you, you can't just do nothing. Uh, and and there, if they do answer, there's going to be a, a, a moment to learn something, what they have to say about it. You know, I mean, because I think, I'm I, I'm honestly, you know, starting to, Look at this, and look at what they call things. Like, for instance, the district court. Yeah. Well, I know because I looked this. You know, I, I read about this that you know while the Northwest Territory up here in Oregon, Idaho, Washington, you know, was the Northwest Territory, and then the Oregon Territory, or vice versa. I'm not sure which was first, but that's a whole different deal than how California was started. Mm-hmm. You know, California was the Mexican deal, which, you know, the Mexicans like to say that it was stolen, but actually they got, they were the ones that were trying a slick deal, see, because the Mexican government said, oh, okay, hey, tell you what, we'll sell you all that land under the stipulation that you have, and I forget the amount of time, but it was a few years, and you have this amount of time to subdue the Apache. If you do not subdue the the Apache, the land reverts back to Mexico, Right. Well, Mexico could never subdue the Apache. That's why they were willing to do this. And they didn't figure that the United States would be able to do it either, because at the time, the United States was nothing even close to, like, a superpower or anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were at par with Mexico. You know, they were just a bigger world power, maybe even bigger, because they did have the Spanish influence at the time than we were. You know, so they thought, hey, if we can't subdue them, neither can you. And you know what? You can give us this pile of money. And uh, time will run out, and we'll get the land back and the money. Well, the cavalry did subdue, if you can call annihilate, subdue the Apache. And it became, that's why they like to say it was stolen, because they thought they were going to get it back. But, no, sorry. But the point is, all through that time, and until California became a state, it was never a territory. 
It was a military district. Okay. You know, so I'm wondering, they're naming these courts, district courts, if they are not military districts, and these are really court-martials. Well, they fly that gold for flag. They do, and that's the executive branch, the commander-in-chief. We are prosecuting you under his authority, and the only one that does that is the military and court-martial. Well, one thing that you may not know, is that they changed the names of the federal district courts back about 19... I don't remember clearly if it was 48 or not. It might have been even in the 60s. But the original name that had been in effect since the for the federal courts since, uh, since the onset, you know, the, since this whole thing began 200 years ago or thereabouts, was District Court of the United States. And they changed it to United States District Court. Now, that made a lot of people look at it. Well, so what? Look, it costs a lot of money to change all your stationery and your headings. And say, oh, no, you can't say United District Court of the United States. You've got to say United States District Court. Why make that change if there was no significant reason. It's not just a change in the name. It's a change in the nature of the courts. And the United States District Court at other points that I at other places I can't point to right now, but I've seen in the past, they are defined as courts of territorial jurisdiction. I was I was aware. I wasn't aware of the exact date, but yeah I did no, I, I don't I, I, I used to know what I can't recall. That they did they did make that change. They also mm-hmm. uh made a uh, change where they combined, uh, what was it, civil and criminal. Yeah, that's right. That procedure, yeah. and the paperwork is combined, but civil, the law form civil, and the law form criminal is not confined. They're combined. There is still a difference between civil and criminal, but the procedures are identical. Mm-hmm. And it used to be that if you were filing a civil suit, it would be almost as if you were filing it on green paper. And if you were filing a criminal suit, it would be as if you were filing it on red paper. And the procedures in both of the different law forms was different. And you could tell, oh, oh, you're suing me civilly. It was instantly obvious what you're doing. Oh, no, you're suing, you're charging me criminally. All right. Well, in fact, it's not civil and criminal. My mistake. It's law and equity. Right, right, right. That's what they, that's where they combined. They combined the procedure, and by doing that, they eliminated the green paper and the red paper. And now they both have the same procedure. You can't tell whether you're being sued in equity or being sued at law. And most people walk into the court and they say, "Oh, I'm being sued at law." No, almost certainly you are not being sued at law. You're being sued in equity. And most people can't tell the difference between law and equity. And as a result, it's like going to play baseball uh, against a football team. And you wonder why you keep getting knocked. Why are these people knocking you on the ground all the time? Well, it's football. You're playing. You think it's, you know, you get what I'm saying here. By by making the same, by having identical procedures, they have managed to conceal the fact that as far as I'm able to see, we almost never get into a court of law. Well, and, and you know... And a court that, is almost always heard in equity and or administration, but never, 
almost never, I won't say never, but almost never at law. That's well, what I, I doubt it will ever be in law unless you make it go there. Uh, I think very rarely do they ever initiate anything in law. Cause it's I don't know that they have to standing anything. to do so. They may not, because the thing is, though, we do have a right to know the nature and cause. But most people, and if you get yourself a lawyer, you can just forget about it, that they that they that would be one of the things you'd want to know. Okay, well, uh, I see there's paperwork here. Is this law or equity? That'd be a good question to ask them. I agree. Well, even I don't even want to ask the judge when I get there. I want to ask whoever's filing the case against me. All right, I have seen, and you can look this up for yourself, and we maybe you maybe remember, I've probably said this before, I don't remember if I have or not, <clears throat> but you can look up notice pleading. Google it, and it'll take you to an article on Wikipedia that says we used to have common law pleading, and then we had code pleading, and there might have been one other variety of pleading, but they said now the predominant form of pleading is notice pleading. Now, if that's true, the first document that's filed in a case is not exactly a claim the way a lot of people think about it. The document that file, that's filed is a notice. I think you're getting sued by somebody. I think it creates your right to ask, what the heck are you talking about? I don't understand this, 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 and this, and I need to know what's your definition of this. Are you suing me at law and equity? Do you under, are you suing me within the borders of the state of Texas? I think that people, they describe you have an answer. Here's how you fill out the answer. You're being sued, and here is the way you, you, you present your answer. I have a hunch that maybe, as with, the idea I've explored on this program before, written a couple articles, about the notice as it relates to procedural due process you did, and your right of inquiry created by a notice. You know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about? Well, I think maybe that's true for modern court cases. Now, well, and instead of sending an answer, you send a series of questions. Sure. They say, what about this? What about this? What is this? Yes or no, yes or no, yes or no. This is not discovery. Nope. I think this is pre-discovery. Well, this, right? is, this is an inquiry to, dis, to find out the nature and cause. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, look, you're, you're suing. Not asking the judge. Yeah. No. It's not his job to answer that question for you if you're being sued. I think it's the prosecutor's job or the plaintiff's job to answer that question. What the hell are you people talking about? Yeah. So, in criminal, and it may be you're not entitled, I wouldn't argue that you're entitled to know the nature and cause in a civil suit. I don't think that's true, but you are definitely in a criminal suit, in a criminal uh, allegation, criminal charges. Um, but even there, once you get off into these territories, I'm not sure that's true anymore. Because they have things, I've seen it in the Code of Federal Regu Regulations where they declare that all crimes are commercial. Meaning what they're doing when they charge you with a crime is ultimately charging you. You cost somebody some money. Yeah, you killed somebody. Yeah, we get that, you know. But that's not the issue. The issue isn't whether or not any of the peons died. The issue is whether somebody lost some money on the deal. One way or another, if it's true that all crimes are commercial, then the gist of the crime is some sort of a monetary injury. 
rather than the death or the assault or the robbery or whatever. And, you know, when when the government brings a suit against you as a commercial crime, you know, one of the questions in an inquiry would be, well, okay, uh, what was your, you know, obviously if this is equity, this is commercial, you're saying I cost you money by committing this crime. Now, unless it was against the government, you know, okay, then they could say that. But, I mean, it's, you commit, you rob a bank, you kill somebody, and, oh, a commercial crime, really? Well, what was your interest in, in that bank? What was your yeah. interest in that yeah. store? What was your well, interest in that be, person? And we're going to get into this more. One of the things this guy does is he's gone into the federal jurisdiction, and it's, I believe, I believe I sent you some of this. Tonight, yeah, I did, as part of our potential subject matter for tonight. The definitions, well, let's just move over and, and do this right now as long as we're getting into it. Let me just... Uh, Where is it? There's six, I have 64 pages, what you sent me. So yeah, no. Start at the me. back, oh. read backwards, ah. and see if it sounds like, so this is you know, Chinese. some demons are talking. When you read the words backwards... This Tell me if you Chinese think it sounds like this is demonic or not. Uh, um, let me see where I'm We're I? talking about the federal government. I'm pretty sure it's demonic. Yeah, I get that. We've got right at the bottom, right starting on, and this is something Trowbridge dug up, and he's applying here. Not necessarily correctly, but he's applying this, and he's making apparently making headway with it. And he does raise some real interesting questions. We're looking at 28 U.S.C. Section 302 definitions, and it's right below the list of links. Wow. Got nine links right below that on your copy of Topics for Tonight. We're talking about 28 U.S.C. Section 302. Got it? Yep. Okay. This is Chapter 1. This is from Chapter 176 of Title 28. And this is expressly declared to be federal debt collection procedure. All right. Now, he does some interesting things down here. And one of the most interesting, if you read this, it's all about debt collection, for one thing. Federal debt collection procedure. So it's not a surprise. And, but he's, they define debt. Um, debt means the amount owing the United States on account of a direct uh, loan, loan insured, guaranteed by the United States. There's another definition here I won't get into just yet. Debtor means a person who is liable for a debt, liable for a debt, or against whom there is a claim for a debt. Mm. All right. Now, this federal debt collection—if um, someone just makes a claim, then you're the debtor. You have to, implication is, you have to deny that you're the debtor, at least relative to debt collection, deny that you're the debtor. I have no debt relationship. I have no fiduciary or surety relationship with the plaintiff, and I'm not the debtor, and I'm not a debtor in this manner. But here's section eight in these these definitions, is judgment. Do you see that? Yep, judgment. Yeah. It says judgment means a judgment, and anybody who does anything with dictionaries knows that you can't define a word with the word you're defining, but yet they do that regularly in the government of the federal codes. 
Judgment means a judgment, order, or decree entered in favor of the United States in a court arising from a civil or criminal proceeding regarding a debt. Well, he seems to have assumed, Trowbridge seems to have assumed, and I haven't read his paperwork yet, I'm just getting into this so I could be mistaken here, but he seems to assume that this notion of judgment applies to all United States district courts. And if that's true, it means that the subject matter of all U.S. district courts is a debt. You may be talking about murder, you may be talking about a bunch of things. Now, I think that's a mistake, either on his part or on my initial understanding of what he said. But the subject matter appears to be a debt. And it's one of the questions. Um, it's one of the issues. Again, at least if you're dealing with federal debt collection procedures, if there's no debt, there's no, they don't have any, they well, don't have any what if, chapter I, I've sat through a bunch of court cases, you know, watching people, you know, try different things and, and some just watching people I don't even know with lawyers. And, they, you know, let me tell you, you want to see something really horrifying, you watch that. You know the the public defenders do their job. Oh yeah. my gosh, it's it's sad. But see, spot run, right. run, spot run, right, run, and don't uncuff him because he's going back in the cell because you know I'm a public defender. But the thing is, if you sit through enough of these, you get the distinct impression that everything, no matter what anybody's charged with concerning anything, has something to do with a debt you owe mm-hmm. us yeah you owe us there's money involved here you owe us somehow I, there's somewhere. currency involved i don't know that there's money involved but right there's currency right involved. but there's a debt they think you owe them something for you i think done that's something that i think that may be true that you owe them now it's like me saying look al tuesdays you know you got to wear a yellow shirt or there's a 50 dollar fine mm-hmm. okay so you don't wear a yellow shirt no, it's, well, you worse owe me than that. it's worse than that you don't even tell me it as if this applies to Tuesdays, and right. you don't bother to mention the yellow shirt. And I show up on a yellow shirt, and all of a sudden I get a fifty dollar fine. Now, what the heck is going on here? Well, see, hey, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Unless, of course, you're a Secretary of State or a former First Lady or something. Or like a cop. That. Yeah, that's yeah, their those, cop. Those that's are true. the those are the exemptions. So, but yeah. you know, I mean, it does. You get the distinct impression that. Man, this is a business, and we've talked about this lots yeah. of times, and, and yeah. other people have forwarded the, the, the idea of going in and saying, listen, I am not surety for this. Well, that means I don't owe you. Yeah. you know, I, I, and so they're talking about debt, too. You know, well, what about you see the courts and other government agencies? You will see them refer to the people coming in their doors as customers. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to court as a customer. Yeah, the DMV I'm a customer. I'm going down to Walmart. Yeah, to buy some whatever. Yeah, the DMV calls you that too. You're yeah. a customer at DMV. Yeah. I, I, you know, if I Implic- was, it implies the relationship is commercial. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and, so and, he's into this. And when they say client, same thing. You know, because some of them like to, you know, some different things like to say, well, instead of a customer, your client. 
uh, same thing. Well, that's the attorney's client, typically. That's where you'll get that. You'll see that. But the ones that, uh, even there, in my opinion, the licensed attorneys are only licensed within the territories right. or administrative well, districts. And if you take a lawyer, you're admitting that you're in that jurisdiction. Well, and when you look at doctors, lawyers, you know, these are licensed professions, you know, and, what? okay, one's a client, then you're a patient, but really they all mean customer. Well, it's hard to say exactly what they mean, but they all implicate, <laughs> show me the money. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it's all about. You know, it's a, a, you walk in, uh, how do you plead? <laughs> it isn't, they shouldn't even give you how do you plead. They should say, how show me you, the money. Yeah, how much you show got? Show me the money. Empty your pockets. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's it. Oh, but I'm I'm encouraged by just knowing about that this guy's doing this because yeah, it sounds understand. like the foundation. There will be a lot doing. to be learned from this yeah. individual. And before this is done, we may try to reach out and see if he's interested in being on the radio program one of these nights. That'd be great. I mean, yeah, I think so. You know, people I, out there. I wouldn't actually... want to do it until I've had a chance to actually yeah. read through all of this and think I might know what he's talking about. And, um, well, I, I want to at least re- know enough to where I can ask an intelligent question. Oh, don't start that, Frank. Yeah. Start, you okay. start insisting on asking intelligent questions, and where does it end? Yeah. You know? <laughs> no. uh, It'll change the whole character of the program if we start <laughs> insisting on asking intelligent questions. Well, there's that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, you know, I think this is, I, you know, and it's funny because this is somebody that I know nothing about. Apparently, you don't know him. And no, yet, I haven't. I don't recognize the name, and I think I should. And and here he is, apparently at least along the same lines. Yeah, which is encouraging. He's been doing this for a living. He is involved. I saw in the process of reading, he is involved in some sort of an entity where he was apparently advising people on how to get out of this, that, or the other. And the government's suing him for over a million dollars, if I understand correctly. He's not an amateur. He's not just some gifted individual who said, I'll try this. Let's try. No, he's been at this for a while. I don't know how long. Um, Our paths should have crossed. Even though I'm unaware of him, perhaps he's aware of me. Maybe not. I don't know. But we're certainly moving in in the same direction. So I want to get into this. Let me do one more definition from... Title 28, Section 3002, and it's subsection 15 on the list of them, and it defines United States. <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah, no. United States means A, a federal corporation. B, an entity, department, commission, board, or other entity of the United States. Or C, an instrumentality of the United States. Now, again, we got this definition problem of using the term United States to define the term United States. Yeah. You can't do that if you're running a, if you're running a legitimate dictionary. All right? When they say, A, a federal, could be a federal corporation, or B, an agency, department, board, or other entity of the United States, or C, an instrumentality of the United States, do they mean an entity of the federal corporation and an instrumentality of the federal corporation, or do they mean something entirely different? 
Yeah, well, I I would think that you can make the claim on on this section at least uh, if they use United States that look, this is vague and ambiguous. Damn right. You know, one of the things that impressed me about Trowbridge's paperwork at one point he he claims that there are at least seventy five different definitions for United States that can be found in the United States Code. I wouldn't doubt that. I don't doubt it either. I've wondered, and I've talked about it. I said, I don't know. We talk about it on the program. We've identified five. I assumed there might be ten. I wouldn't have been surprised if there was more than ten. He claims to have located 75. Now, all by itself, just imagine that you are a defendant in front of the jury, and you're asking the prosecutor, Now, I'm going to read through this list of 75 definitions for the term United States, and please tell me which one you are relying on. Okay? Got 75. Now, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, what do you think United States means? And whatever you think it means, do you think there could be 75 different definitions for what United States means? Do you think they could have provide 75 different definitions if they weren't up to something? I guarantee everybody in that jury, they may not know exactly what United States means, but they think it has one definition. And if there's evidence that the government is using 75 different definitions, and under this definition you might be guilty, but under that definition you might be not you might not be guilty. Well, imagine Al, if if one day you got pulled over, and a cop says, okay, empty your pockets, let's see here. And you had 75 different IDs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hmm. oh, oh, you're going away. You're going away. You're so. going away just for that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, I know. I well, this got to be counterfeit. This can't be real. Oh, but the government can have 75 different definitions if Trowbridge is correct. All right. It is, I bet he, he is. knows what he's talking about. I, you know what? I bet he did what you you had mentioned. That I wish there was some way to computer just, search. Yeah, hit the button and have it just get every United States and see what everyone says. I think you can. I think you could go to find law. Well, I bet I that's what done he did. It myself, but I'll bet it can be done. I bet that's what he did. And I think what know. you'd have to do is look for the term United States means. Right. United quote open quote United States close quote United. Uh, means right, and that's probably the same format that they use in many, most, maybe all of their definitions of the United States, regardless of what section they're in. I bet it's quote United States close quote means. Search that, you know, who knows? Who knows what'll turn up? Um, well, but I, I think I wouldn't doubt there's 75, honestly, because this one here, I hadn't seen this one before. You know, usually they play around with, well, is Puerto Rico in or out? Is the Virgin Islands in or out? Is, is D.C. Yeah, in or out? You I know. know, I know. But now we have a federal corporation. That's United yeah. States? Really? Oh, okay. Well, hey. And you know what's interesting? That's the only one of the three definitions that does not use the term United right. States as part of its as part of its meaning. It suggests that. When they say an agency, department, commission, board, or other entity of the United States, they mean another entity of the federal corporation. And when they say an instrumentality of the United States, they mean an instrumentality of the federal corporation. But it's not clear. No. And 
One what the hell are we doing here? We've got three different definitions for the United States. Which one are you using? Now, in the interest And I want to know every time you say United States, you know, this is like Mother May I or no. Simon said. I want to know which one of these definitions are you using every single time. And do these definitions include anything within the borders of the states of the Union? Now, one thing about a federal corporation, I, I, I'd have to go look it up, but I know it's in Title 42 because that's, that's where I was, you know, my whole lawsuit was focused around Title 42. And I know it's in there. And there's a section that starts and says, the United States, comma, a federal corporation, comma, and on it goes with its thing. Mm-hmm. And when I first saw that, I thought, whoa, wait a minute. So uh, according to Title 42, the United States is a federal corporation. Mm-hmm. Now here it says United States means a federal corporation. So that's two places. Now, what is that? What, what is a federal corporation? I is, don't is know, and there could be. I'd like a list of federal corporations. Is this circular? It well, almost, the United States is a federal corporation. A federal corporation, in the United States. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, know, you know, a good one that just illustrates that you can look in Black's Law Dictionary. I don't remember which edition. It may be in the most the seventh, eighth, ninth, somewhere in there. I don't recall clearly. They define republican form of government. All right, we are guaranteed. A Republican form of government. Each of the states of the Union is guaranteed a Republican form of government, and I believe it's Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution. This is a concept. This tells us what kind of government you have to have at the state level. You would think that given that the phrase Republican form of government appears in the Constitution, they would have <laughs> a fairly precise and extensive definition. So this is what it is. This is what it's not. What they have, at least in Black's Law Dictionary, and I don't remember which edition, they say the definition for Republican form of government is a government in the Republican form. (laughs) Yeah, that's what they have, which tells you something. It doesn't tell you that these people are crazy. It tells you that there's something so powerful in the concept of Republican form of government but they don't even want to define it. The best they can do is a government in the Republican form. What the hell does that mean? Yeah. And it can't be an accident. It's because this is a powerful argument that they don't want to face or confront. What do you think the Republican form of government might be? Do you have any opinion on it? Oh, well. Oh, yeah, I, I think... A Republican form of government is a government that is representative of other separate republics. Meaning, like, Oregon is a separate republic, California is a separate republic, and they've all gotten together and created a government, but yet they haven't given up being a republic themselves. Now, here's what I think. Oh, I know that. I, I understand. You may be right. I may be wrong. But it says, and I'm reading from it, it is Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution of the United States. And it says, the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government. All right? 
We don't have a Republican form of government at the federal level, or at least there's no requirement for it. The federal, the, the Republican form of government is only guaranteed to the states of the union. And the first 13 states, their nature was essentially described in the Declaration of Independence. They became the union five years after the Declaration of, of, of uh, Independence was declared, 1776. But if you read the Declaration of Independence, it says we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I believe because that principle applied to each of the 13 states that were created by the Declaration of Independence, I believe that's one of the two elements for the Republican form of government. The Republic, not a republic, it is a kind of republic, but it is not just a random old republic. It's a very specific and previously unknown concept nobody had imagined before in Western history. They said, well, let's call a Republican form of government. They didn't, I think they didn't exactly know how to give it a unique name, and so they call it a Republican form of government, but it only applies to the states of the Union. The states of the Union, those states were created by the Declaration of Independence, which says, number one, we get all of the people, get all of their, their major rights, their most important rights from God. And number two, in the third sentence of the Declaration of Independence, it says that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. They're telling us the purpose of government at the state level is to secure to every man, woman, and unborn child their God-given unalienable rights. But it's not at all clear to me that the federal government is similarly obligated. I don't know that the federal government is obligated under the Constitution or law, and I've looked at this and it's ambiguous. I don't know what the answer is. I suspect I'm, I'm about 99% positive that this doesn't apply in the territories, and it probably doesn't even apply. The federal government doesn't have an obligation to secure our God-given unalienable rights. I don't think they have that obligation. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but they definitely do at the state level, at the state of the union level. So the point I'm trying to get, I think, is that the Republican form of government embraces the principles that apply to the first 13 states that subsequently became the Union. And those principles are spelled out in the Declaration of Independence. One, we get our, all of us get our rights from God, not just one king, not just one sovereign. All of us are sovereigns. We all get our rights from God. And two, it's the fundamental business of the state governments to secure those God-given unalienable rights. I think that's the Republican form of government. Whatever it is, it's not easily discovered, all right? Trying to find where the, where the government has stood up and said, well, here's what the Republican form of government is, and this has been understood since 1781. We don't hear anything. A Republican form of government means a government in the Republican form. I yeah. mean, it's laughable. It's it's like something I might have done when I was in eighth grade. Yeah, when you didn't know the answer, you yeah. just put that in there. Baffle them. We knew. I, we weren't smart enough to know the answer, but we knew to baffle them with BS. <laughs> That's right. Government in the Republican form. Who knows? Maybe it'll work. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it'll take 40 years, but then it'll work. Uh-huh. Now it works. Yeah, it's uh, you know I'm not sure what a federal corporation is. Uh, Neither am I. 
And I'd like to know. Yeah, me too. How many federal corporations there are? Well, now because if there's more than one, let's suppose that the, that the Food and Drug Administration falls into the definition of a federal corporation. Does that make it? Does that make it the United States? How about the Congress? Is that a federal corporation? And if so, is that another United States? Well, you know, if there we could be a hundred of these federal corporations, and is each one of them another manifestation of the United States? They can call themselves the United States. Now, now here on Wikipedia is uh, I typed in federal corporation and came mm-hmm. up with it says list of government owned companies. Now, I don't know if that's the same, but there are one, two, three, four, five, five, ten, fifteen. There's about thirty five of them. Yep. Like Amtrak, Conrail, Corporation yeah. for Public Broadcasting, Export-Import Bank of the United States, uh, Farm Credit Insurance, Federal Crop, Federal Deposit, Federal Retirement, Federal Savings. You know, uh, here's something odd. Mercury Filmworks. Mercury Filmworks? Yeah, they've got their own, like, film company, I guess. Uh you know, hey, somebody's got to do the propaganda. That sounds like another Clinton Foundation to me. Yeah. Well, hey, maybe they were the ones that did the moon landing. Uh, you maybe know. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mercury. Yeah. Hey, you know, there you go. Uh, and then they have, you know, a lot of things. You know, you would you would figure, you know, uh, Resolution Trust Corporation, Reconstruction Finance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of these things, uh, Tennessee Valley Authority, people are aware of, United States Postal yeah. Service, people yeah. are aware of that. Uh, well, what about the Northern District of Texas? Yeah, they don't list any of that. Supposedly a judicial district, but is it in fact some sort of a federal corporation? And tell me again, what did it say right at the beginning? A federal corporation, before they gave you the examples, they said a federal corporation is what? Well, they said government-owned companies. A government-owned company. Right, right. All right. Who is the government? Yeah, well, there you go. If he owns, who owns these corporations? Mm. It's not me. I'm not an owner. And I don't intend to be a shareholder in it either. Oh, then there's a whole other thing. Public utilities of the United States mm-hmm. and government-owned corporations of Puerto Rico. Oh, i got to click that. Which is which may include the Internal Revenue Service. It may. Uh, oh no, they don't have it here. Yeah, they don't have that one on here. But boy, they they sure got a lot of. Uh, wow. Well, they wouldn't want to reveal that. No. If they maybe the blanket. Uh, uh, what did they say about Puerto Rico? These are government-owned corporations of Puerto Rico. Okay. And, uh, but which government? Is it owned by the government of Puerto Rico? Is it owned by the government of the United States? Yeah. Is it owned by whatever government is provided by the Federal Reserve? Who owns, who, what is the government that owns these federal corporations? Well, if, if Puerto Rico, what is Puerto Rico's status, actually? Is it a territory? Yeah, it's a territory. Well, then the United States owns Puerto Rico. So anything Puerto Rico owns, the United but States that's owns. That's a question. You know, Congress has exclusive legislative jurisdiction over the territories. Congress is the sovereign. They are the sovereigns 
over the territories. They are the aristocracy. What is it, 535 people, 435 in Congress and, and another 100 in the Senate, and they are apparently the sovereigns who run the territories as an aristocracy, a group of men, not a, not a monarchy, with just one man, the president, that runs the whole show. In theory, they're running, they're functioning as an aristocracy, a group of men, limited group, and with relative to the territories. But that doesn't work relative to the states of the Union. I'll tell you something. It may work relative, and even if they're the sovereigns, I'm going to guess they presumably do own Puerto Rico. And I'd say you're probably right, but still, you can see, you know, you get into this, and you can see, holy crap, if you will take the time to read the definitions relative to any court case that you find yourself, where you find yourself ensnared, get into the definitions right, and make them answer. What the heck are you talking about? And make them answer in front of the jury, if you can. You know, I looked up something else. Uh, public Utilities of the United States. And mm-hmm. there's some interesting things. Some of the big cities, uh, well, for instance, like the New York City Transit Authority. Yeah. That's that's a, a public utility of the United States, not of yeah. New York. Well, that, not, that doesn't, that's not necessarily surprising if New York... Is, is deemed to be a territory rather than a state of the union. Right. If it was a state of the union, those public utilities would probably be property of the state of the union. Well, I'll tell you or what. members of the state of the union. You know, if they, it's they a territory, pro- could be said, yeah, we're the sovereigns. We own it all. Well, and uh, we, okay, here in Oregon, here in Jackson County, okay, there's a rule in this state and probably in other states too that, the county cannot, it is forbidden to provide city services. In other words, the, Jack, the Jackson County government cannot provide like water, like city water. They cannot provide city sewer. You know, they cannot provide that. They are forbidden to set up anything to do that. So what they do... In in rural areas that you know, some rural areas, uh, a lot of people move there, and they all get together pretty close, and then they want these services, right? But there's no way, there's no city, and there's no way the county can provide that for them. So what they do is they create a district, like mm-hmm. a water district. Yep. And then this district is a separate entity, separate from the county. And it provides those services. This is how they get around that, you know, forbidding that. Now, given that, think bigger. Think United States government. Put it in the county role. Well, you can't enforce federal law within the states of the union. Okay, we'll create districts. They even call them districts. Yeah, I know. I know they do this right out in front of you. I mean, this is like dealing with a magician on the stage. He's right there, till nothing up my sleeve. Yeah, there is. There might not be up your sleeve, but it's in your hat or up your leg or something, up your pants or something like that. But there's something going on. We know that. 
and yep. we can't figure it out. And the magician just smiles at us and pretends he's knowledgeable, whatever. Um, and we pay him to deceive us. No, we're we're entertained by it, <laughs> and he's entertained by it also, and amazed. Yeah, you know, he's sitting back saying, "You know, look at these dummies. They give me their wealth for a worthless piece of paper. They're out there sweating, you know, sweating and and pushing and pulling and trying to get work done, and they're willing to accept a piece of paper from the government that the government never has to redeem." They redeem it among themselves. I mean, government's got to be astonished at how foolish people are. And they've got to, my God, talk about taking candy from children. This is like taking candy from special needs children. This is strange stuff. Well, it is. And, uh, you know, but the thing is, you know, I actually, uh, one time in my life when I was living in Atlantic City, I... I got free tickets to go see David Copperfield. And uh, I I sat as close as I could because I was determined, you know, I'm going to watch this guy, and I'm not going to watch the girl in the bikini. I'm going to watch this guy, and I'm going to figure out what the heck he's doing. But you did watch the girl in the bikini, didn't you? I must have because I never figured out what he was doing. I was amazed. I sat there and go, holy smokes, I'm watching this guy, and there, you know, I'm watching everything. Yeah, I know. You know, wow. But these guys aren't even that good, and they're still getting away with it. I know. You know, they say you can't, you know, I don't remember what game up with it. This is like that old crazy uncle saying, pull my finger. Yeah. You know, and and we're falling for it. And it refutes, I think it was Lincoln who said you can fool some of the people all the time. And all of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all the time. (laughs) And I guarantee you, people like Hillary Clinton are saying, Lincoln, you're a moron. (laughs) We can fool them all. We can fool them all for generations on end, and we don't intend to stop. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he he had no idea how, uh, you know, I I don't think anybody a hundred years ago could even imagine what what society has become now. I, I, I... and, and not even a hundred years ago. I mean, when you go back to it, it's really just what's happened. It's become open and overt in just the last twenty, thirty years at the most. You know, there were signs if you were clever, if you were astute, you could find evidence. But nobody was troubled by it very much. It wasn't anything more than kind of a conspiracy theory, a potential inconvenience didn't amount to much it's only last 15 20 maybe 30 years at the most that this thing is just blossoming right between our eyes and it's poisonous or right in our face and it's poisonous it's it's suicidal self-destructive treasonous and the government is just saying yeah we're doing it baby well you know and that that in itself speaks to the spirituality of it because the the only uh, look everybody has even these criminals even criminals, the worst criminals, have a self-preservation instinct, okay? And that just seems to, I, I mean, whatever's pushing this obviously wants everybody dead, including themselves, and they don't care. Because there's, <laughs> I don't know if any of these people actually believe that, yeah, we can do this and uh, we'll be okay. 
Uh, but I think they're wrong. I don't think anybody's going to be okay, including them. I, I don't care how deep I agree. I agree that cut. they're leaving a tragedy that is destroying their own children's lives and their grandchildren's lives, and they don't care. They are acting, they're saying, I don't care, I'm getting mine. I'm going to be big, I'm going to be important, I'm going to be rich, I'm going to be powerful, and to hell with everybody else, including my own children and grandchildren. Well, yeah. And, I mean, these people are monsters. And they're already rich and powerful, and nobody no, cares. Not, everybody's, know. You know, everybody's fine with them being rich and powerful. Great, fly around, do that. You know what, I don't even want to do that, so good. Have fun, be rich, be powerful, be all that, just... You know, do it somewhere else. Don't don't yeah, right. don't don't do it to me. Just go somewhere else. Hey, yeah, enjoy your life. You know what? Enjoy your life. Spend all that money. Fly all those airplanes. Just have lots of martinis. Just have fun. What's wrong with these people? I mean, they want to sit behind desks and wring their hands at ways to steal stuff from people living under bridges and stuff. I mean, what kind of maniac? You know, this is this is beyond mental illness. It's it's no, it I agree. Wars on possession. I agree. This becomes demonic. This is not just a question of all all the psychopaths. We're having a meeting for the psychopaths. <laughs> it's it'll be at the Congress. Yeah. We're gonna need four hundred and thirty five Congress congressional psychopaths and a hundred senatorial psychopaths. We're all gonna get together and decide what we need to do. This isn't just about psychology in the sense people think, oh, he's a psychopath. This is something deeper than that. And it is, again, spiritual warfare. These are wicked people. It really has to be. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the enormity of it, it has to be. It's just, uh, you know, well, hey, you know, I I mean, it is amazing because, you know, for 20, I don't know, 25 years, you read the Bible, and, you you know, you believe it, you have faith in it, but it's not happening. Well, maybe it is. Well, now... Now you read it, and you look at it, and you've read it for 25 years, and you're just looking around going, holy smokes. Yeah. You know, uh, You know, one of wow. the things that you talk about end times, and I should be a student of end times, I'm not. So I can say some pretty dumb things when it comes to end times. I certainly expect I can. But my recollection, they talk about end times, and there was a beast which I believe had ten heads, yep, including one little head and the rest of that sort of thing. Now, a lot of people thought that that beast was going to be not just the New World Order, per se, right. but they thought it was going to be, it was going to be the, uh, the European Union. Right. The revived, the, problem is, the revived Roman Empire. Yeah, the revised Roman Empire. But the problem with that is there are 28 different, at least uh, including Britain's still part of that, there are, if I understand correctly, 28 different states right now or nations that are associated as full members or associates or whatever, but 28 of them all together that are in or nearly in the European Union. That's not consistent with the Bible says, if I understand correctly, 10. Nope. However. Now, maybe they're talking about 10 regional districts, including mm-hmm. Australia for one and Asia for another one and Europe for another one. South America, North America Union. Maybe that's the 10 they're talking about. We but assuming be. it meant Europe, we have to shed, if there's only going to be 10 of these heads that are going to comprise this this new world order or whatever, they have 28. They need to get rid of 
18 of them. Well, and what we see with England <laughs> is the beginning of maybe yeah. they're going to break the European Union down to where there's only 10 left. Now, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying the possibility crosses my mind. Well, and and that I was just going to I was going to say the same thing. Now, I am not a proponent of the revised Roman Empire. I don't believe that particular scenario. Uh, but it's very interesting that, you know, the European Union is on its way to breaking up because I've been reading about this and it's, you know, England's done. But now, uh, oh, who was the last? Czechoslovakia yeah. is going to have a referendum just like England. Should we stay or should we go? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, you know, I don't know what Greece is waiting for. I'm surprised they didn't oh, jump up Greece. the next morning going, hey, that's what we need to do. We need to get out of here and say, hey, oh, by the way, stuff that debt. Yeah, no, they don't need to even say, say stuff it. They need to simply declare bankruptcy and say, look, we can't pay. We're sorry. All right. But you people are partly responsible oh, because you and you should you knew or should have known <laughs> that we were borrowing way more money than we could ever repay. Well, now let's look at the you uh, enabled this problem. Oh, let's look at the smaller scale. What did they do here? Oh, hey, you want to buy a house? Got a job? No? Well, just tell me you got a job. I got yeah, right. Oh, okay, good. I exactly. Got <laughs> you know, I mean, they did exactly what the EU yeah. did with Greece. Yeah, walk in, tell them, what, do you have a job? Yeah, I'm president of the United States. <laughs> good enough. Yeah. Good enough. Is. You're going to have an extra good. <laughs> we can get you a big house, you know, if you're president of the United States. And even paint it white. Yeah. Yeah, we can do that for you. Um, but that's what the EU did with Greece. I understand. A liar alone. They, uh, you what? In whose imagination would they ever think that? Oh, sure, Greece can pay this back. I mean, really, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I think the way the system operates with fractional reserve banking. Sure. Every time you put one of these liar loans into the bank, into a bank vault. The bank can use it as collateral to lend nine times the face value of that note to the to the great unwashed. Yeah, and when they right? get, and when so they, they get, don't care if this thing fails, doesn't matter. We loaned out nine times as much money. We just keep this failure under our under our cap. Um, we'll conceal it. We'll bury it. It won't show up. If it does show up, though, they have to take nine times the face value of that liar loan. May have to be pulled back out of the economy. That's why they can't let these people, they can't let Greece go bankrupt. Well, and that that is also why they do this whole thing. Okay, this is a bad loan, well, a credit card, whatever. So it's a bad loan. Well, they don't hold on to it. They don't deal with it. They don't, uh, you know, uh, what, extinguish it. They don't say, well, okay. What they do is they sell it at a discount. They mm-hmm. keep it alive. Keep it yep. moving. Keep yep. it out there. Keep that paper flowing. They do that. It is presumed to be a performing loan. That's right. All right. As long as it's performing, you can still use it as collateral for fractional reserve banking. But if they have to admit that a bunch of these loans are bunk and they'll never be paid, you don't just lose those loans. You lose however much they have loaned into the community based on those original liars' loans. Now, somebody showed me 
a and that can be devastating. They'll take they'll take the whole country down. Somebody showed me a, a thing they got from their credit card. They they owed like three thousand dollars, and they they basically dumped it, right? Yep. And they got this letter, and then they got these other letters, and they finally got a letter from a different company saying, "Oh, by the way, we bought this thing, and uh, hey, yeah. tell you what we'll do." Mm-hmm. And it was like three thousand four hundred dollars was the original thing, right? Yep. And they say, "Tell you what we'll do." We will, uh, you can take care of this debt for three easy payments of $200. Yep. $600, you know, and most people go, oh, my gosh, that what a great deal. But you know what? you got to wonder, and you got to say, and you got to ask yourself, wait, wait a minute. Why would you take $600 out of a $3,400 supposed debt? Why would you do that? I don't even know because you. Because you bought it for $100 and maybe even 50 Yeah, maybe even 50 I think yeah. I, I looked it up at the time when I saw it, and I think they yeah. actually buy those that, that amount for mm-hmm. more like $27. Yeah. All right. So they've, they pay $27 for a $3,400 bad debt. They, they make you an offer that you can get out for 600 bucks. Guess what? They just made $570. Right, and most on a twenty-seven dollar investment—that's a pretty good return on your money. Not everybody will go for it, but a lot of people will. I had a friend. Now his amounts were much more. His amounts were like twenty-two thousand dollars, and they said, "Well, I'll tell you what, we'll do. We'll take four grand." And he paid it. He mm-hmm. thought, "Well, that's a good deal. I'll do that." You know, and and I, uh, you know, I. I didn't tell them what to do. I did say, well, I don't know. If it was me, I'd ask myself, why are they being so nice? I mean, why would they do that? I mean, obviously, if you owe that much money and they're willing to take that little, they can take nothing. Well, they can. this can be restructuring. All right? If, I, if, if, if you owed me $22,000 and, and, and I said, listen, I'll tell you what. You give me four grand and I'll call it even. It means that the debt was not defaulted on. Right. If I just say sorry, I can't pay the, or or you say sorry, I can't pay it. The debt is defaulted on, and now we have to cancel that piece of paper and we have to pull it out from under what may be lending out nine times the face value of that debt. And recall the debts that are the loans, the consumer loans that were made based on using that piece of paper that you signed. Yep. Right. Uh, I I, I agree. Call back. It was just restructured. That's what they're trying to do with Greece. They're trying to restructure the debt. And if they can get Greece to agree to that, so long as Greece agrees that they still owe it, then the debt is still deemed to be performing. It's still deemed to be okay. And if they loan and in Europe, they supposedly. Their fractional reserve rate is something like twenty-three to one. Oh man! So that's We're how Germany. Hmm? So that's how Germany made so much money loaning money to, uh, or what we call money to Greece. <laughs> yeah, if they can collect it, what but a now great they're racket. Well, they don't because, have to collect it. I mean, he defaults on its loans; it can collapse the whole system. No, wait because a fractional reserve bank has multiplied this thing and given them oh. great leverage, creating what you... this currency. But it's also great leverage if something what do you goes mean wrong. If they don't, if they don't collect it, they don't have to collect it. They can just, as long as they can keep it alive. That's it. As long as it's a, nobody as has long to collect everything. This is still a performing debt instrument. 
Somebody's paying a buck every century. Now, if this guy, if this guy was to, dollars, and I'm still sending them a dollar a year on it. Now, know? if this okay, guy was to send, if this guy was to send on his four thousand dollar thing to, hey, pound sand, I'm not paying you nothing. All they'll do is just sell it to somebody else. You know, they'll you know, okay for the same ten thing. bucks. I get. <laughs> I get a notice. I get a notice every spring <laughs> from some law firm that I owe money on a traffic ticket <laughs> that goes back probably 15 years ago, and they say there's going to be there's going to be a a warrant roundup, and you can settle this by sending X number of dollars to this law firm. <laughs> well, it's been like I say, it's been. I get one of these a year. There's never a warrant roundup. It's all just a bunch of bunk. They bought that traffic ticket debt, which might be two or three hundred dollars. I don't know what it was originally. They bought it for who knows five or ten dollars, and they're betting that one of these days they're going to send me one of those notices, and it's going to bother me so much. They're sending out hundreds of these, if not thousands of them, and they're betting that one of these days. They're going to send out a notice when you got a little extra cash in your pocket and say, what the hell, let's pay this thing and get them off my back. I don't want to get stopped and hauled off to prison next time I am I run a stoplight or something. Well, and they get me and they say, oh, you got a warrant. You know what really happened? It's not even a real warrant. It's, it's fraud. It's mail fraud. This whole thing would, should have expired under statute of limitations. But do you know what the real, the, where they really, they just keep doing it because, see, one day we all die. And then somebody's going to be dealing with everything after that. And here comes this letter. Yeah. And they're going to go, oh, yeah, that's boy, another one. Geez, good yeah. golly, we got to pay this, you know, mm-hmm. send them the check. You know, that, that, that's what, you know, I mean, these guys are playing the numbers. You send out enough of these things, you're going to get some people yeah. to send you money. Yeah. And if it's just a question, if you bought these tickets cheap enough, Right. If you only pay a penny on the dollar, right? Well, you don't have to hit on a lot of them. If you hit on more than one percent of these things that people send the money, your money ahead. You know, you got to have more than a one percent. If if you bought it for a penny, uh, you know, a penny on the dollar, I don't know that that's true. If you bought it for a dime on it all, well, you have to have a return on your money of at least eleven uh, percent of the people who receive these tickets in the right. mail. Or at least notices of outstanding tickets. Eleven percent paid. Well, and the well, older they are, the cheaper they are to buy. You know, some of these are really bottom feeder companies. Yeah, yeah I'll buy a fifty-year-old debt if it's still alive. I'll buy it. Sure, yeah. I'll, I'll give you ten cents for that, and I'll send out a letter. You mm-hmm. know, and I I've got ten thousand of these. And why why are they willing to do that? Because they know that a certain percentage of people are going to send them money. Why? Fear. Because the letterhead (laughs) says the law firm of Smith, Jones, and Bubba. Okay? And people think, oh, my gosh, the lawyers are going to sue me. They're going to drag me into court. I'd better send the money. That's what gets this. If you and I sent these documents out, we could theoretically (laughs) buy these debts or these alleged debts and... uh, if we tried to collect on them and they says just send send money to Al, well that doesn't carry the same weight, authority, and fear factor as Smith Jones and uh, Bubba attorneys at law. 
Oh, and other, and, and now they've gotten, like, everyone I've seen from anybody recently, they come, some of them comes from, you know, A1 credit. You know, this is a, uh, you know, we're trying to collect a debt. Mm-hmm. And they always put in there now, we're considering yeah. forwarding this to an attorney. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Not an attorney! Yeah, I know. You know, I mean, honestly, that's what most, you know, it's like, wow, okay. You know, you got to ask most people, hey, you ever meet an attorney, ever talk to an attorney? I mean, because people, it's like your doctor. You know, people figure, oh, my gosh, he's the doctor. The, you know, he knows all about everything that has to do with medicine and my health. Oh, yeah. And my body and my nutrition. Yeah, know. He knows all those things. You know, that's what the white coat Very does wise for you. and very ethical. They wouldn't have given him that white coat you if he wasn't. You can trust your doctor. You, hey, the TV commands it. It tells you, trust your doctor. And yeah. ask your doctor. After they, you know, pitch you on some pharmaceutical drug that mm-hmm. you have to get a prescription for, which I've never really, you know, I, at first I didn't, but now I get it because everybody's brainwashed. But the thing is, it's like, why would you advertise something to me that I can't even go out and buy? I can't go out and buy prescription drugs. I have to go to the doctor. He has to write me a prescription. But the way the doctor gets his cut. Yeah. That's how they keep the doctor. He's still pushing pills because that's the way he gets paid. And apparently... If he doesn't have to write a prescription, he doesn't have to, you don't need to see him. Right. And he doesn't get paid, so the doctors are in on the racket. Oh, apparently it's, it's you know, not good work when you can get it. I mean, you know, hey, you got this... Huge corporation out there, you know, telling people, ask your doctor. Now, wait a minute. So I don't know anything about anything. I watched a 30-second TV ad. I'm going to go say, hey, doc, you know what? I saw this really great TV ad for this really great drug. Can I try it? Are you telling me that he's going to write me a prescription for that? Just he because might. I asked him? Well, he'll, he'll do a little dance and say, here, let me take it. Let me check your blood pressure. Yeah, let me take your Okay, you're eligible. Over. You can take You have blood pressure. That means you can <laughs> use this drug, and it's only going to cost you about $15 a pill. Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah, what a deal. It's a racket. <laughs> it, uh, racket is exactly what it is, and, and, you know, but it's not the only racket in town because the law... Man, you got the courts and these lawyers all working together, too. Well, everybody's in it for the money or the currency. Everybody, you know, they have, the system has is brilliant in the, in the sense that they take what may be, on average, the most intelligent class of people in the country, and I use that, you know, I, I wince when I say that, um, attorneys, doctors, they make money by enforcing the racket. If they're smart enough to see the racket, they're smart enough to realize, uh-oh, if I expose this thing, I'm going to have to go back to working for a living and I won't be able to play golf every Wednesday. This sounds yeah. like the perfect definition of what it would be called a criminal enterprise. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Know. It's a racket. <laughs> you know, this is, this is all... Speaking of lawyers and criminal enterprise, we were going to discuss... And I'm looking at it right James now. James Comey. That's it. Do you have the link on there? Uh, let's see. I here. think it's sure number four or five in the in the uh, 
and the list of links I'm that I sure sent I you. Do, although I have read lots about this today. Well, here's here's <laughs> one of the things. Let me just read from the one I've got. This was Yahoo News. Uh-huh. FBI's Comey, no charges appropriate in Clinton email case. And it says, in a bombshell announcement, FBI Director James Comey accused former uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton on Tuesday of having been extremely careless in handling classified information on her private email server, but recognized she not face criminal charges. <clears throat> and he goes on, and there's more about this. doesn't think it's appropriate. He doubts no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case against Mrs. Clinton under these circumstances. Trump says the system is rigged. Here's one point that's important. It says the announcement came after the FBI interviewed Clinton at its headquarters on Saturday for three and a half hours, the culmination of a year-long investigation. Now, we can ask, how many, how many FBI agents devoted the last year of their life to investigating Hillary Clinton on this matter? All right. And why did it take a year to find out that she's not guilty? And they go on. And here's, here's one where it says, while Comey stopped short of recommending that the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee face criminal charges, the widely respected FBI chief painted an unsparing picture of her controversial and uh, unprecedented use of a private email server to do government work. You know what that meeting was with her and the FBI? It wasn't an interview. It was a negotiation. Yeah, it might have been. It may even been a bribe. Well, I mean, that, I'd, like to know, I'd like to know how much how much Loretta Lynch is worth today, as compared to what she was worth, say, a month ago. Yeah. I have a hunch the Clinton Foundation has made some sort of a donation to Loretta Lynch and or her family members, and it's going to be substantial. Yeah, but and when Comey. they they say they they the FBI chief Comey painted an unsparing picture. Oh, my gosh, Paige is an unsparing picture. That's almost as bad as a slap on the wrist. If you catch my drift, yeah, she he was, did nothing. They painted an unsparing picture. Yeah. Oh, big deal. This is if, like if when they... Was, if, she was a worse, if she was scared of unsparing pictures, she'd never look in a mirror. This, uh, this, was like, you know, this is like senators being censured. Yeah, I know. Ooh. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, I'm going that's terrible. Without dessert. I don't get any dessert tonight. Oh, no, I you get dessert. No, 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 Al. No, no. See, you get dessert. Just nobody will sit with you to eat it. Uh, no, You'll have to eat your dessert so, by yourself because you're as, being censured. Yeah, this terrible situation. But here's where it gets interesting. This is Comey talking, and this is in quotes. And he apparently allegedly said, although we did not find clear evidence that Secretary Clinton or her colleagues intended to violate laws governing the handling of classified information, there is evidence that they were extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. What's the magic word? Intent. Damn right. And guess what? <laughs> the, <clears throat> the code that they're talking about is a uh, uh, penal code, and yeah. there is no intent. I get that in, in penal. 
All it is is conduct and penal. There doesn't have to be intent because it's civil rather than criminal. And when and you read, it depends and, on intent. And when you actually read the code, which I did, there is no mention of an element of intent. You either did or you didn't. See, when they come across and they say there's no evidence that she intentionally broke the law, they're not applying. They're applying criminal law to her rather than penal law. Yeah, but they're using a penal code. Well, it may be, but just the same, they're mixing apples and oranges here. You and I and everybody else are subject to the penal code, and all we have to do is if we look funny, they can throw us in the slammer for mere conduct without necessarily referring to the element of intent. But in in crimes, the essence of the crime is the intent. I've used the analogy a bunch of times. I could be driving down the street, 30 miles an hour, a little kid darts out into the street from between two parked cars. I hit the child, and the child is dead. If I hit the child by without intent, it's an accident, and I'm not criminally liable. But if it turns out that child darts out, same, same example, here it's me, driving the same car, same street, same kid, darts out from between two cars, and I do not. I have an opportunity to slow down or swerve or whatever to avoid hitting the child, but I don't do it. I intentionally hit the child. That's murder. We've got the same driver, the same car, the same street, the same speed, all right, and the same dead child. But the difference, one of them is an accident, and the other one is a crime, is the crime of murder, and the difference but then, is the intent. But then, that is the essence of the smart. But then we go to the penal code. Mm-hmm. And same kid, same car, you run the kid over. Well, mm-hmm. what if you were changing the uh, channel on your radio? What if what you if were... Adjusting- but if you were wearing a yellow shirt and it was yeah, a Tuesday... You still did not intend to hit that child. But in penal, you don't need to intend. All you need to do is you know, they judge you by conduct. You were negligent. is not normally... Yeah, exactly. You were negligent. They're giving her the benefit of the doubt, and they're not where they will judge you and me merely for conduct. Well, what actually... You do? It doesn't well, matter what your intent is. What did you do? If you did it, you're guilty. Yeah, but you know what? The bottom line is that what Comey did, he's rewriting the United States Code. Because you can't... Well, he's charging her under common law, maybe. Well, then, okay. I don't know what he's doing, but he's mixing apples and oranges, and intent is the issue. Now, here's, the, here's where it becomes interesting to me. If it's a saying we did not find any intent to violate the law. Okay, you didn't find any intent. How much, how long does it take, how long do you suppose it would take me to discover whether you intended to stay on this program until 10 o'clock when we ran out of time or not? How long would it take me to discover if Frank has an intent to do A or B? All right, this is the issue, the issue of intent is the critical factor on which Hillary has been exonerated, or at least not prosecuted. We found no evidence of intent. Well, all right, if that's the critical point, 
Did they just learn that just this last week when they had the three-and-a-half-hour interview with Hillary? Yeah, Bill, no, Bill they, Clinton. Hillary, Bill, did you intend to do a, did commit a crime? And she says, oh, no, I had no intent. And they say, oh, okay, let's drop the whole thing. After a year, why didn't they just ask someone, did she have the intent back on day one a year ago when the... T- when this investigation was launched. Yeah, Bill if Clinton. intent is a critical issue, somebody should have discovered whether there, whether there was evidence or there wasn't. They shouldn't have gone through this whole year. Yeah, well, they found out when Bill Clinton told Loretta Lynch mob. That might be. You know, that he's might a, be. That's he's maybe the one clever one. one with the is. Oh, it depends what is is. Uh, he, yeah. You know, this seems like it came from him. Or the same mind that came up with, oh, it depends what is is. Yeah, I know. This is another one of those. But he's exactly right. It all depends on what the meaning of is is. Everybody thought that was some sort of a joke when he said it back in the 80s. But the truth of the matter is this is exactly what I'm talking about well, when I tell clever, you about the importance of definitions. Well, he's very what clever, but he should have been hanged all the same. You know, I mean, <laughs> and not for Monica Well, it all depends on what the definition of hanged is. By a rope until dead? That's pretty clear. Yeah, still it's a little ambiguous. We don't know for sure. Um, I, you know, I, but I'd be more than happy to demonstrate it. You know, system. Yeah. And here's the thing to me. I think the issue of intent, if this is the deciding factor, then it should have been the first thing they investigated. Sure. And they should have been able to find out if they had evidence of intent or didn't have evidence of intent almost instantly when they started this case a year ago. And they should have known, nope. There's no evidence of intent here. We've got to drop the case. We'll never get a prosecution. It takes a year but, to discover if there was any intent. Okay. It suggests if there was no intent, they didn't find intent at the beginning, why did they spend a year harassing Mrs. Clinton the point and is, jeopardizing her chance to become president? Well, you and know the what? answer is they were responding to political pressures by a vast right-wing conspiracy. On the other hand, if they did find intent right in the beginning... Then the investigation, the subsequent investigation of relevant facts, that that makes sense. And when they now come out and they say after a year, they say, oh, we didn't find the intent. That's, again, evidence of political motivation. They have been politically motivated to say, oh, no, there was no intent. And what I'm trying to communicate here is that either way, the FBI is guilty of corruption because this has been decided based on political motivation rather than simply following the facts. Intent should have been apparent. Whether there's evidence of intent should have been known and recognized early on. And if they had it, they should have dismissed it. The fact that they didn't indicates that they were politically motivated to continue the prosecution. On the other hand, if they had intent right up front, found it, said, oh, yeah, she she intended to do this. If they knew they had the intent, then... The reason then dismissing it today and saying there was no intent, that's evidence of political motivation. That's evidence of corruption in the FBI. Either way, the FBI is dirty on this thing. Well, the bottom line. What they should do is go after all of the FBI agents, and I understand there were scores of them, maybe over 100, I don't know if that's true, but scores of them that spent the last year working this case. Why not tell, look, you effing morons, are you so dumb you couldn't find evidence of intent on day one or in week one or in month one 
and you drag this thing out, we want the money back. Whatever we paid you for last year's salary, you return it. You people are you people. You wasted everybody's time. A lot of money went into this investigation, and it all hinged on whether she did or she did not intend to commit a crime. But my point is that intent is not an issue. This is a smokescreen. Mm-hmm. This is because, and, I agree and like with you. you said, they would have did it if it was real at the beginning. It isn't because they were never investigating her under common law. Now, let me me read this so everybody can understand. Hillary Clinton checked every box required for a felony violation of Section 793F of the Federal Penal Code, Title 18. With lawful access to highly classified information, she acted with gross negligence, which Comey admits, in removing and causing it to be removed from its proper place of custody. And she transmitted it and caused it to be transmitted to others not authorized to have it in patent violation of her trust. Comey even conceded that former Secretary Clinton was extremely careless and strongly suggested that her recklessness very likely led to communications being intercepted by foreign intelligence services. Yet, he recommended against prosecution. In order to give Mrs. Clinton a pass, the FBI rewrote the statute, inserting an intent element that Congress did not require. The FBI rewrote the statute? They didn't actually get in there with a pen and rewrote it, but by Comey getting up there in public and saying, well, she's off the hook because there was no intent, he no, is rewriting okay. the statute because that's not in the statute. That is not an element of this crime. I understand that. So it's like, wait a minute. What he's doing is he's creating a straw crime, saying, oh, well, there's no intent, so therefore she's not guilty of that because no intent. She can't be prosecuted without evidence of intent. That's what he says. But, we found no evidence of intent. But under Section 793 of Title 18, she can certainly be uh, under the penal code, be prosecuted for, uh, you know, for that, for felony. I understand. I guarantee you can be prosecuted for it, and I can be prosecuted. Well, and the reason why... But Hillary why... was able to pull, you know, okay. and they cooperated with this. It becomes the honorable and ethical Mr. Comey. It becomes, well, there's no evidence of intent. And he could pull, he can BS his way through that to some degree. Well, that's because everybody in this country believes that because they watch a lot of TV lawyer shows, that intent matters. But intent doesn't doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter in 95% of the times you're in court. Yeah. Okay. Because it's civil. Civil is all about conduct. They don't need to prove intent. And penal. It doesn't count. Penal is a civil... This is a civil process with attached criminal penalties. You know, so what this guy is doing is he's, he's putting up a straw man and saying, look, she didn't commit this crime. Well, she wasn't being charged with that crime. What about the crime she is being charged with? It's, it's yeah, not a crime. Right. It's a penal violation. But what about that? There is no... Okay, it's like the guy with the uh, traffic uh, uh, stuff that was on, what, a couple weeks ago that was talking about elements of yes. the violation. Yes. Well, intent is not an element in Section 793F of the Penal Code. Yeah. It's just not there. Yeah. He's putting it there. Yeah. 
And Loretta Lynch mob, the lawyer of the country, is going to go, oh, well. Well, you know what? This, this America should be outraged at this. I understand. It's evidence of corruption, racketeering at the highest levels of our government. And it's not even a close call. No. Once you understand the distinction between accidents and crimes, functions, it depends on whether there was intent or not. And you read the relevant law and said, what did it require evidence of intent? It didn't. Yeah. Then intent is irrelevant, and yet they're telling us this was the critical yep. issue. You read there the, was no read. intent. Didn't need to be dumb dumb. Hey, hey, you stupid FBI agents. You should know that there didn't need to be any intent. And I don't doubt that the typical FBI agent understood that. Oh, they and Comey understands it too. Oh, so does that. But now he can get himself his own corporate jet. You right? Know, Bill uh, is gonna drop one off. This have it uh, licensed, it'll be maybe licensed in Canada. Or something like that, but Comey will be able to use it whenever he wants. Uh, you know, it, it's just it is so obvious. It is so. It's just like most of the other things they do. They put absolutely no effort into the lies they tell anymore. They are. It, this is the most transparent president we've ever had because his lies are the most transparent that I have ever seen out of any administration in my lifetime that, you know, it is transparent. It's like, well, you're lying. I, I mean, know. It's not even a yeah, good lie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't remember the name of Obama's minister in Chicago. He's the guy who at one point in time said, may God. Reverend Wright. Yeah, Reverend Wright. That's right. But he sat down with Obama on one occasion that, that was reported by Reverend Wright. And Obama said to him in private, he said, the problem with you is you can't lie. Right? And the implication is Obama takes, Obama, that lying is a natural part of his arsenal. Of course he lies. Does it all the time. Right? And he thinks other people who don't lie are disabled. Well, and, and we're not, dealing with government to some extent that, that uh, at least superficially, that's true. Well, what he believes is if you can't lie, you're a liability to be in his administration. Oh, yeah, I understand that. That's why, Reverend Wright, you got to take a powder, buddy. We're pals, but yeah. you got to, you I know, hit the road. To you, but if you can't do it, if you can't lie uh, for, the, for the sake of the team here... Uh, You'll bring us out. all down. My point is that Obama and his administration... They're just shameless liars. They don't care if you know it. They're going to keep on lying. And they're betting they can get elected anyway. It doesn't matter. The public is dumb enough, or not even dumb enough, but sufficiently amoral or even immoral or even wicked, where they say, yeah, let's elect this guy. He's a great liar. Or We know he's lying, but so what? We don't, need, we don't care. Or they'll just lie about the election, too. You know, maybe everybody gets out there and votes for somebody else, and they'll just say, no, 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 we won. Yeah. We won. And look, CBS and NBC and CNN and the Fox News, they all say we won. We won. So it must be true. (laughs) You know, I mean, here's here's another. Now, here's a headline. Almost one million Bernie Sanders ballots illegally shredded. You know, 
So uh, a million, a million, a million, a million, one million Bernie Sanders ballots illegally. But nobody else's ballots were shredded. Nope. Gee, what are does that sound like an accident to you? It does. Gee, I accidentally (laughs) shredded a million. Okay, maybe I accidentally (laughs) shredded five or ten. Okay, I can get that. They were all Bernie Sanders. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you can't make the case. You can't honestly make the case that, gee, I accidentally shredded a million Bernie Sanders ballots. I didn't shred anybody else's ballots, but I accidentally shredded a million of And it's right there in your face. Yeah, well, hey, here in Oregon? The American people. Our last governor that uh, got had to you know, resign in disgrace, uh, but he won his last election, yeah. and and the way he won it, everything was counted, and he was losing. And then now you got to understand, Monmouth County is the biggest, most populated county, and they always count their stuff first. Okay, they're always the first ones on the thing. Like, okay, we got our stuff counted. And that's where Portland is and, you know, Eugene, and they're up that way. And there's lots of people, and it's really liberal. And he was a Democrat, and he was he was losing. And then, towards the end, oh, look, we found 3,500 ballots, and they're all for him. In what Portland. are the odds? Uh, yeah, yeah, what are the odds? Yeah. Uh, well, about the same as, you know, shredding a, a million. million. Yeah. Somehow we separated a million Bernie Sanders ballots from the Clinton ballots, and we just happened to accidentally shred a million of his ballots rather than a million I mean, God, or even a hundred thousand of hers. A million? I mean, good golly, man! I mean, they gotta have a uh, they gotta have a, a tree chipper. You know, not only that. that. <laughs> Jeez, if mean, you accidentally shredded these, how do you know there were one million? Yeah. To know there's one million means somebody had to count them. It's not just like there was a pile of paper over there and somebody pushed it in the incinerator. And <laughs> later on they said, oh. What was that? <laughs> I thought those were all Bernie Sanders ballots. No, insofar as they give you a number, it means somebody had to count them. How would you accidentally burn or destroy or shred documents when you know exactly how many were, or exactly or roughly how many were were shredded. Somebody had to count those things. That means they had to know what they were doing. Well, well you know, you got to, you know, <laughs> and, and you, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's, they don't care. It's like, well, no, we win. We win. Oh, look what happened. All your ballots. Gosh, what a, what a, what a shame. Yeah. Let's take a look. Let's take this a look at one. In, uh, Sandy, uh, San Diego County Registrar. Mm-hmm. The California, this is just in California, okay? Just in California. This isn't everywhere in the country. A million of his ballots just in California. You know what should be done? Anytime the ballots are messed with, somebody hangs. I don't care if it's three BS ballots, all right? We find anyone tampering with the election process, and it should be an automatic Treason, you're going to die on the end of a rope. I don't care how much you love Hillary or you love Trump or you love Bush or anybody else. You mess with the election process, and guess what? We find you, you die. Well, it would slow things down a little bit. I won't say that the elections would be necessarily 100% honest, but they'd be more honest than they are now if people understood 
fine. Falsify the vote. Guess what? You know, better have a strong neck because you're going up on a rope. Let's, before we get out of here, let's move on to one other subject, and it's number four on the list of, uh, on the list of links. I don't know okay. if you've got that yet. Well, I'm getting there. Let me see if four, I've got number it Number four? Yeah. Okay, robot lawyer, yeah. I, I, I saw this headline. I didn't read it. What am I doing here? Well, I'm there. Well, I have I have so much trouble directing traffic on these things that I can't keep up with my own directions. <laughs> this is from a robot. The headline is Robot Lawyer successfully successfully appeals 160,000 London and New York parking tickets. Um. It's not clear to me. I don't think they mean London, England, but I haven't read the article closely. I don't. I think they mean a city named London, perhaps, uh, on the East Coast or something, but who knows what they mean. But it says a free chatbot service called Do Not Pay, and you can apparently Google this, Do Not Pay. The three words are run up together, all right? No space between the words has successfully appealed 160,000 parking tickets in London and New York. The website of its creator, Joshua Browder, a 19-year-old, maybe they do mean London, England, a 19-year-old London-born, second-year Stanford University student bills the product as the world's first robot lawyer. Browder has expanded his, his chatbot to cover flight delays and help those with HIV, understand their rights. And they've got an article here that you can view. Uh, chatbot lawyer overturns 160,000 parking tickets, blah, 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 in London and New York. And it says an artificial intelligence lawyer chatbot has successfully contested successfully contested 160,000 parking tickets. He doesn't say traffic tickets. He said parking tickets. Um, and what he did is he studied... Uh, he studied parking tickets and looked for the common denominators of the ones that were defeated. And he put the piece, he figured out what had to be what had to be done with these things. And uh, in fact, he doesn't have a perfect system. He says, "Do not pay." Has taken on two hundred fifty thousand cases and won one hundred sixty thousand, giving it a success rate of sixty four percent, appealing over. $4 million in parking tickets. Well, it goes on, and the point here is people are putting things together. These computers, they're double-edged sword. Yeah. And the government can use them to track you and track me and uh, accumulate evidence of our intent, I suppose. But, you know, I, I, I want to at least bring something up to consider about traffic tickets. This is, these are parking tickets. Parking tickets, here. even. Yeah. Just simply by challenging one. Yeah. Your chances of winning are probably 50-50 just by challenging it. Just by showing up. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what you know, what you say, what you do. You know, the cops don't show up. Things happen. The place is crowded. They tell you to get out. Whatever. 
Lots of things happen when you challenge these things in your favor. Okay. Just off the bat. So, you know, this 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 robot might not be as smart as we may want to think it is with a 64% win rate because this But is if it encourages people to stand up and challenge. It does, and I think people should. Uh by yeah. whatever, you bring a robot, you bring yourself, you know, I would encourage people to get, open a book, you know? I mean, this isn't rocket science. You can probably win if you just put a little effort into it. And I realize a lot of people don't have even that kind of time. You're too busy, you know, with the three part-time jobs now that you have, you know. Well, how much is a parking ticket? Well, now they're over $100. Even so, what's it going to cost to put a lawyer to work? Oh, God, no. To uh, to. To represent the city in your challenge against the well, parking. Did you see the thing in that article? It cost that, them $1,000 to get a lawyer to show up and do the job. Well, listen to this. New, New York City rakes in $1.9 billion a year just in parking tickets. Uh-huh. <clears throat> okay, those are people that obviously didn't win. $1.9 billion with a B. Yeah, I get it. That's a lot of clams. I agree. Just for parking tickets. They're not even talking about traffic tickets and other, you know, felonious fines they give everybody, uh, you know, that are just, you know. See, what you should probably do, parking is so difficult in New York. They're going to have to probably start out with these automated automobiles. And what you do is when you get to wherever you're going in New York, you just hop out of the car and set it on automatic pilot. Yeah, to keep circling the, the block. block or the city or whatever. Just drive around for the next three hours. I'll be out at 10 o'clock. Make sure you're here at the front door. When I get <laughs> yeah. it. Right? The car is so long as the car is moving. It might be cheaper to keep it moving for the next four hours than it is to find a parking space. Oh, it is. Because ticket. what you got to do is go get a parking garage, and that costs money. You know, yeah. good money, too, in New York City. You know, yeah. but oh, speaking of self-driving cars, you know, I, I was reading about. It. I read this article that you know somebody was killed in one, uh, a test mm-hmm. driver, and That's all that. And I read about it, and it's like, I get to the point where they say, well, you know, we tell people, you know, when we, you know, they get these things that, you know, do not take your hands off the wheel. And I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute, when I go to buy, not that I'd want one, but if I ever went and bought. I want me a self-driving car. The one thing I'd be looking for is that it actually, you know, self-drives. Yep. And if I got to keep my hand on on the wheel all the time, that kind of defeats the purpose of having a self-driving car, don't you think? And what is the purpose of having a self-driving car? So you can ride drunk and nap while you're cruising down the uh, expressway? With my hands on the wheel. No, that's the thing. If you got to put your hands on the wheel, that, that kind of that kind of says you got to stay awake. I know. See, that might even mean you have to be sober. See, what one is that? See, why do I want a self-driving car if it's not going to actually self-drive? And and yeah. but this is coming from the maker of these cars that says no. Mm-hmm. You 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 know we instruct people, and they even have a thing. If the car senses that your hands are not on the wheel, it'll start uh-huh. slowing down and pull over. See, it's just like that voice on the GPS. Yeah, that tells you. Know, they you, get angry. Straight you ahead. Have your hands on the wheel. <laughs> Put your hands on the wheel. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Put your hand. Oh, 
with you. Shut up. Somebody shut that damn GPS. See, if I'm getting a self-driving car, I want to be able to crash out in the back seat and, you know, mm-hmm. have this thing drive. I understand. If I have to sit there with my hands on the wheel, well, pff, I'll drive myself. Yeah, I know. It's like I try I mean, to tell people that if they... If you're not driving, it almost certainly, it's going to almost certainly going to put you to sleep. Well, and what can I do with... What else can I do if I have to keep my hands on the wheel? Or the car is going to slow down and pull over on its own. And maybe even turn you in. Yeah, yeah. Gives you an automatic ticket. They'll this just have a little have ticket dispenser built right into the dashboard of your car, where if you speed, ding, 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 here's your yeah, ticket for speeding. All right? If you didn't fasten your belt, your seat belt, if you took your hands off the wheel, what if you only have one hand on the wheel? Well, I don't know. See, that's questionable. Maybe you and just what get if some electrocuts. What about that? Here comes another ticket. Twenty-five bucks for cold hands on the steering wheel. I think there's got to be electroshock involved with this whole that's, thing. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> See, that's the way we get this done. Yeah, you and after wearing the shock collar, put the dog collar on. <laughs> and if we detect that you might be getting drowsy. We'll give you a couple hundred volts and see if it, see if that you know that wakes you up. Wake yeah. it, wakes you up. Oh man, you know, but that's the thing. And this guy got killed because apparently I don't know. He was a test driver though, so you would figure he'd know the rules about you know keep your hands on the wheel or whatever. But uh, yeah, he ran into the side of a uh, a semi, and they blamed it because well you know there's all that clear spot underneath the semi that the self driving car didn't see and uh, uh-huh. just. You know, took the uh, car's uh, top off with the guy's head. That was a well, test. Must be a drive. lesson here somewhere. We're going to have to, we're going to have to make sure that all those semis, the trailers, wear some kind of skirts. Yeah. Well, you see, you some, know, some radar reflecting surface down there. That uh, well, they've got them. I, I see trucks all the time with those things on there. Those skirts on the bottom of their trailers. They go the whole yeah. length on both sides. I don't know if that's why why they're there, but uh, no, that's not why yet. I don't think that's why yet, but who knows? Diminishes air resistance or something I like that. I certainly don't want any self-driving car. That's for sure. Well, you wouldn't need a driver's license. <laughs> well, if I've got my hands on the wheel, I mean, wait, they'll give you a DUI even if your car's not started. You're sitting in it. Well, this is where they have to modify the seats where you can shift from the driver to the passenger seat just by snapping your fingers or push the little button and you're automatically removed. Or maybe they just change the steering wheel from the left side to the right side. (laughs) There you go. Just automatic changes. But we're out of time, Frank. We are. We are. We are. So I want to thank all you folks for listening. I'm Alfred Ask here with Frank Steffen. Um, on the American Independence Hour. I'll be back next Tuesday. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, and Frank. Good night.
Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
<laughs> I gotta have a mind to paint a plywood sign and nail it up on a knotted pine tree. Saying I was here first, this is my piece of dirt and your rambling don't rattle me. Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Tuesday, July 5th, 2016. Pacific time is 8.08 and a half. If that's when it is where you're at, we are live, and that means you can participate in the show. 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980. That is toll-free, 800-932-1980. And if you'd like to participate in the chat room, go to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Hit the ABRN chat link. It is right under schedule. Okay, I put it up top so people can find the new link and do not... 
try to uh, use your old links or your old bookmarks or anything like that. I've told you for the last few days. And now if you didn't listen, well, if you do use it, you're going to be redirected to the page anyway. That other chat room is now gone. It was temporary. Told you. I just put it up there while I was doing trying to figure this out because I did not have it figured out when I started. And I didn't know how long it was going to take me to figure it out. So I, I just threw up, you know, a chat room so, you know, the people could have a place to chat and all that. I haven't been in there much in the, you know, the temporary chat room from time to time I, I came in. But I didn't spend a lot of time in there because I spent my time trying to figure out how to get the new chat room working. And uh, that was really just there for you guys. So, you you know, didn't have no, no chat room to go to. And... uh now it's gone because the other one is up. It's been tested a couple of days, and it seems to be working perfectly. Now, of course, there's going to be, you know, people go, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you change this? Can you change that? Sometimes it's yes, and sometimes it's no. And sometimes it's because uh, it's not possible, and other times it's because I just don't want to. So it is what it is, and it's a lot better than the old chat room and... Um, you know, now there is one. So, but, you know, on the downside, because there's no free lunch, there's always some something, right? Well, you do have to re-sign up, okay? You've got to rejoin, meaning you've got to go to the, uh, oh, I don't even know what it is. What is it called? Is it called uh, sign up, okay? You go there, you click the link on the page, sign up, and then you enter, uh, you got to pick a name, pick a password, and, um, uh, it also asks uh, if you're male or female, and uh, there is no third choice, so if you're confused, perhaps go somewhere else, all right? Oh, I'm not discriminating. It's just, uh, listen, <laughs> if you're that confused, then you really should go somewhere with other confused people. And uh, what else does it ask? I, uh, an email. And it asks for an email because, see, we have email verification on it. That's the other, well, it's a downside for you. It's an upside for me. The downside is that you actually, you know, you don't just get to click and go in. You've got to click and then go check your email and then click again and then put in your password and, and your username. And then you're in for the first time. You know, after that, it's just the same thing, you know, name and password and you're in. But, uh. We do the email verification because what I found was when I looked at the old chat room, a lot of people like to put in phony emails and then they can create multiple room names. And uh, you can still do that if you have more than one email, but it'll just slow you down a little bit. You know, that's all. And that's, you know, pretty much all we can do is just try to keep that down because that's not really uh that's not really that cool unless everybody knows like some people have different names for different devices like I do uh I'll come in the room sometime uh under the uh, name rooftop now that's just something I picked that I used you know just because I I was I I actually did it the first time I had my laptop downtown I had just gotten a laptop, and I had it downtown, and I was using up free Wi-Fi somewhere, and I decided to go to the chat room. I couldn't remember my password, so I just created a new account, 
And uh, that's what I did. But I let everybody know that it was me. It was just I was using a different name. So, you know, I mean, I, I understand there's times when you do use different names. Uh, and that's kind of helpful, really, actually, to let people know, oh, you're on your laptop. Oh, you're on your, you know, whatever. But anyhow, uh, just to do it, just, you know, to try to come in and, like, have a conversation with yourself or, or make an issue out of something with yourself, uh, eh, that's not so cool. Anyway, so that's what's going on, and I hope you enjoy it. So far, I have pretty much gotten uh, positive feedback for the new chat room. It has features that were not available in any of the other chat rooms that, that we had up, even the temporary one. So uh, check it out. Uh, you'll probably like it. I mean, if you just are not, you know, adverse to chat rooms in general. Now, okay, let's get down to stuff. You know how I always refer to as, uh, you know, Central and South America as a cesspool? <laughs> uh, who knew, right? Who knew I was so right? Uh, but it's a month before the start of the Summer Olympics in Rio de Janeiro. For those of you wondering, that's in Brazil, and uh, that is South America. And each day seemingly brings more disturbing news. You know, who was the genius that decided, let's have the Olympics at a sewer? Anyhow, athletes are staying away because of Zika virus concerns. Oh, really? You know what? Guess what? The Zika virus is a fraud, folks. Zika virus has been around. They've known about it since the 40s. Okay? And since the 40s, the only symptoms that they have ever recorded for the Zika virus is mild flu symptoms. Get it? There are numerous reports that what they're calling the Zika virus is actually pesticide poisoning. But, hey, you know, who's going to, you know, say that? That would be bad for business. Uh, oh, yes. And besides the Zika virus, which they're pushing like, whoa, well, these people all have health concerns. Really, how about getting killed concerns? Because the police in Rio de Janeiro and all throughout Brazil are saying they won't be able to protect tourists. <laughs> you you got to be kidding me. Oh, yeah. They they are uh, the police and firefighters are meeting tourists at the airport with a big banner says welcome to hell we can't protect you because Brazil is falling apart okay because of corruption oh golly isn't that a shock a South American country has corruption oh my how how unique not oh plus Reuters is reporting that there's a drug-resistant super bacteria found in Guanabara Bay, wherever that is, I presume Brazil. This is all on top of an Associated Press story from earlier this month that noted bacteria from human sewage has in all of Rio's Olympic and Paralympic water venues. Wow. You see what I mean? You know, it's like, I guess they were right. What you talk about, you bring about. I, I mean, you know, I've been calling South America cesspool for I don't know how long. And here we have a real cesspool. Oh, of course, they call them Olympic pools. But bacteria from human sewage. 
Hmm, in all Rio's Olympic and Paralympic festivities, they include the Guanabara Bay, the Rodrigo de Ferreira's Lagoon, where the rowing competitions are to be held. The good news for U.S. rowers, yes, okay, so here's the good news. Here's the bright, shiny part of this story. The good news for U.S. rowers, that's the rowboat guys, you know, is that they have sewage-proof suits. Isn't that swell? You send a rowing team to the Olympics, and the big concern is that the suits they wear are sewage-proof? This is great, huh? The AP reported that the suits are knitted with an antimicrobial finish. And it has water-repellent features that will keep the rowers dry. The new unisuit and other apparel are finished with a general antimicrobial to control exposures to most bacteria. Most. Maybe not. The uh, resistant bacteria in the bay there. Hmm? Unfortunately, a Wired.com story said the suit's they might not help. They will literally be immersing themselves in very high levels of pathogens. Catherine Mina, who researches waterborne pathogens at the University of Texas School of Public Health, what does she know? The infection risk will be pretty high. Oh, man. You know, uh, uh, really? So we're still still going to send them all. Have fun. Off you go. Have fun swimming in the sewer. Wow. You know, who was the genius who decided to have the Olympics in Brazil anyway? Here's something. Syrian refugees admitted to the United States more than doubled in June. Ooh, isn't that great? Hey, guess how many were Christians? Yeah, 0.3. That would be 0.3% were Christians. The rest, all Sunni Muslims. 99.2% Sunni Muslims. Now, the Sunni Muslim are not being beheaded in the Middle East, but Christians are. Why aren't they refugees? Why aren't all the refugees from the Middle East Christians? Because the Christians are the ones being beheaded in the Middle East, not the other Muslims. Isn't this a bit suspicious to you? Man, oh man, oh man. So there you go. That's what Obama's been up to this last month is, hey, more refugees. Woo, yay, oh boy. Hey, so you figure, well, you know, yeah, they might wiretap the bad guys, but they got to have a warrant and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, they got these courts, the secret courts, and, uh, you know, they'll review everything and they'll make sure everything's on the up and up. Well, The United States government approved one 
100% of wiretap applications in 2015. Yep. 100%. Not once did they say no. The new report conducted by the federal judiciary looked at the prevalence of the FBI and state and local police petitioning for a warrant to surveil someone. Methods range from tracking their computer activity to bugging a home, telephone, or a room. Though it overwhelmingly, 96% of the time in 2015, meant tracking or listening to their cell phone calls. It has become a common enough practice that in a 10-year span, a wiretap request has been denied only eight times in 10 years, and never, ever more than twice in one year. And in 2015, none were denied. Never seen a wiretap request they didn't like, the U.S. courts. Now, wait a minute. So, is there any number of how many actual convictions they've gotten out of all these wiretaps? Oh, no, we don't need to know that. It's just we want to do it. We want to know. Now, I want to bring this up again, even though me and Al talked about it just a few minutes ago. Because I want to make sure you all understand what has happened today with James Comey, a treasonous criminal. James Comey is now nothing more than a thug criminal who should be arrested and thrown in a very deep, dark cell somewhere awaiting his execution after his speedy trial for treason. Because this man has basically tried to lie to the whole country and Loretta Lynch mob is going to go along with it. And she's an attorney, and she knows better. Hillary Clinton, I'm going to read this again, because I want everybody to get this. Hillary Clinton checked every box required for a felony violation of Section 793F of the Federal Penal Code. That is Title 18. With lawful access to highly classified information, she acted with gross negligence, Comey admits this, in removing and causing it to be removed from its proper place of custody, and she transmitted it and caused it to be transmitted to others not authorized to have it in, pay, in patent violation of her trust. Director Comey even concluded, conceded, that former Secretary Clinton was extremely careless. Well, I think extremely careless rises to negligent and strongly suggested that her recklessness, oh, well, recklessness definitely rises to negligence, maybe even gross negligence very likely led to communications being intercepted by foreign intelligence services. Folks, that is espionage. People have been hanged for espionage in the United States. Yet, Director Comey, now, you know, 
yeah, listen to this. Yet Director Comey recommended against prosecution of the law violations he clearly found on the ground that there was no intent to harm the United States. You know, in essence, in order to give Mrs. Clinton a pass, the FBI rewrote the statute, inserting an intent element that Congress did not require. The added intent element, however, makes no sense. The point of having a statute that criminalizes gross negligence is to underscore that government officials have a special obligation to safeguard national defense secrets. When they fail to carry out that obligation due to gross negligence, they are guilty of serious wrongdoing and guilty of Section 793F of the Federal Penal Code. The lack of intent to harm our country is irrelevant. People never intend the bad things that happen due to gross negligence. Folks, if you're driving down the road and you kill somebody and they find out that you are grossly negligent, you're going to prison. Even though you never, well, I didn't intend to run them over. I would point out, moreover, that there are other statutes that criminalize unlawfully removing and transmitting highly classified information with intent to harm the United States, being not guilty, and indeed not even accused of offense B, does not absolve a person of guilt of offense A, which she did commit. You get it, folks? Okay? unlawfully removing and transmitting highly classified information with the intent to harm the United States is under the espionage codes. And there does have to be intent. But under Title 18, Section 793F, there is no intent. Now listen. It is a common tactic of defense lawyers in criminal trials to set up a straw crime for the jury, a crime the defendant has not committed. The idea is that by knocking down a crime the prosecution does not allege and cannot prove, the defense may confuse the jury into believing the defendant is not guilty of the crime that the defendant is charged with. Judges generally do not allow such sleight of hand, because innocence on an uncharged crime is irrelevant to the consideration of the crimes that actually have been charged. Is Loretta Lynch going to let this sleight of hand go? You can bet your ass she is. Actually, you should bet her ass because she's got plenty of it. It seems to me that this is what the FBI has done today. It has told the public that because Mrs. Clinton did not have the intent to harm the United States, we should not prosecute her on a felony that does not require proof of intent to harm the United States. Meanwhile, although there have been profound harm to national security caused by her grossly negligent mishandling of classified information, we've decided she shouldn't be prosecuted for grossly negligent mishandling of classified information. Now, the writer of this is from the National Review, and he says he thinks highly of Jim Comey. I don't, personally and professionally. But he says, this makes no sense to me. This guy even likes Jim Comey and is going, wait a minute. This doesn't make any sense. 
Finally, I was especially unpersuaded by Director Comey's claim that no reasonable prosecutor would bring a case based on the evidence uncovered by the FBI. Really? What a liar he is. James Comey is, is a disgusting piece of garbage. He should be removed from office. To my mind, a reasonable prosecutor would ask, why did, Con why did Congress criminalize the mishandling of classified information through gross negligence? The answer, obviously, is to prevent harm to national security. So then, the reasonable prosecutor asks, was the statute clearly violated? And if yes, it is likely that Mrs. Clinton's conduct caused harm to national security. If those two questions are answered in the affirmative, I believe many, if not most, reasonable prosecutors would feel obliged to bring the case. Folks, we're being bamboozled one more time. I'm telling you, this is another Clinton, oh, it depends what he is, is. No matter whether he's right or wrong or whatever, that man should have been jailed. Okay, actually, you know what? Bill Clinton should have been hanged for treason himself. Because Bill Clinton and Hillary accepted campaign contributions from the People's Republic of China in return for miniaturization technology from the United States Pentagon. Why do you think now China is able to make these little missiles that have woo big power, but they're a lot smaller? You know why? Because that's the technology that Bill Clinton traded for campaign money. That's right. That's right. So when you sailors go floating out into the China Sea to die, that's what's going to happen to you. You are going to die because those Chinese have fancy new little missiles that are going to sink your aircraft carrier and put you all to the bottom of the ocean. And you can thank Bill Clinton and his dog, Hillary Clinton, for that. They did that. The Clintons have single-handedly undermined this nation's security like no other couple ever have. They make the Rosenbergs look like George Washington and Martha. And yet, James Comey, director of the FBI... Less than a week after Bill Clinton has a secret meeting with Loretta Lynch Mob, and right after he spends three hours powwowing with Hillary Clinton, she wasn't being interrogated, she wasn't being interviewed, she wasn't being questioned, she was laying it down at James how it's going to be. I'm telling you right now, there is only one answer for the Clintons. But before I get myself in trouble, we're going to take a break.
shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out natureslogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. We've been waiting for a long time. Yes, we've been waiting for a long, long time. We've been waiting for a long time. But we ain't gonna wait no more. We're getting ready to rock and roll. We're gonna one, two, three, four.
All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's uh, Tuesday, July 5th, 2016. It's about 8.40 Pacific time, and if that's when it is where you're at, we are, in fact, live. Okay, 800-932-1980 is the call-in number if you'd like to participate in the show. And also, hey, hit up the chat room. It's at theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You will see the chat link over on the left-hand side. It says AVRN Chat. Click that, and uh, unless you've already been into the new chat room, you're going to have to re-sign up. That means... You know, go in there and pick a name, pick a password, uh, put in uh, male or female, and what state you're from. That's the other thing it asks. And um, then, you know, click it, and it's going to send you an email. And in that email, there's going to be a link. Now, you can either click on that link, or you can copy and paste it into a, one of your web browsers and do it that way. And then you just do that, and then... Just sign in like you normally have to anyway all the time. You know, your name and your password, and you go in. And we're doing this verification thing. Oh, to keep spammers and trolls and all that out. Or at least under control or moderated, whatever way you want to look at it. But I'm sorry, you know, free speech only goes so far, and there are people out there that wreck it for everybody, and that's the way it always is. A few jerks just really, uh, you know, make it necessary to make rules that inconvenience other people that really don't need to be inconvenienced and don't deserve to be inconvenienced, but there's no way around it because these people exist, all right? And they got nothing better to do than what they do. And I'm sure some of them are even paid, you know? And you got to watch out, folks, because people come in, let's just do a hypothetical, shall we? Let's say I did a show really slamming the homos one day. Next thing I know, oh, somebody I've never met ever before pops up in the the chat room who is the worldwide ultimate homo fighter, right? And he starts making all kinds of crazy, insane claims, wants on the radio, you know, and when that's not happening... Starts threatening to ruin you. I'm going to expose you. I'm going to make your life miserable. Well, blah, blah, blah. Folks, this this kind of thing happens over and over and over again. But then again, I've been at this a long time. So, of course, you know, I have an advantage. I get to see this and go, ah, wait a minute. I think I've seen this before. I think I know what this is. Yeah. It's like walking down that old country road, and all of a sudden you get a whiff, and you go, ooh, I know that smell. That's the smell of something dead. You know, that's something, that's a smell that once you smell it, and you realize, oh, so that's what dead smells like. You never forget it, and any time you ever smell it again... You know exactly what it is. Okay? So, you know, these are measures to try to just cut that down. You can't ever stop it, but, you know, you just try to limit it. (laughs) 
you know, it's like speed limits, okay? So uh, you say, look, everybody should go 60 miles an hour because there's less risk of everybody dying in a car wreck than if you're all driving at 120 miles an hour. And that's a fact. If everybody was driving at 120 miles an hour, there'd be a lot more fatalities on the road. Now, you know, you're late for work, you want to get somewhere faster, you got a real nice car, it handles real well. Gee, that's not really fair to you, because you, maybe you're a race car driver. Maybe you can handle it. Maybe your car can handle it. It's not fair to you to make you go 60 miles an hour, but too bad. You see? It's like that. Anyway. Yeah, I brought this up during uh, Al's show, too, because I just couldn't help it, because that's where the conversation went. Almost one million Bernie Sanders balance, il- ballots illegally shredded. And, you know, what the title leaves out, in California only. And this goes on and on, and it describes everything very carefully, you know, very, you know, specifically and all that. Okay? But... Here's the bottom line. Uh, I'll I'll bottom line this for you real quick and easy. Uh, Even if only a third of those ballots of Bernie Sanders were counted for Bernie Sanders, he would have won California. Okay? You get what I'm saying here? Bernie Sanders actually won the state of California in the Democratic primaries. But if you notice the day before, well, CNN called it for Hillary before anybody ever voted. Oh, she's got it in the bag. She's got it. She's got it. She's got it. Even though before that, Bernie Sanders was winning in all the polls. That's because Bernie Sanders actually won the state of California. And the Democratic Party itself bought and paid for by Hillary Clinton. And this is not, this is not just a, a, a little accusation I'm making. Months ago, Hillary Clinton, and this was in the news, nobody, of course, made a big deal about it except me, transferred, well, maybe not except me, but, you know, not any of the CNN, CBS, or any, even Fox News, but she transferred millions, tens of millions of dollars from her campaign coffers to the Democratic National Committee because they said the Democratic National Committee was broke. Now, I don't know how that can be unless Debbie Wasserman has been uh, skimming money off the DNC's top there. Hmm, could that be? How'd you go broke? The point is, she transferred tens of millions of dollars to the DNC. She bought and paid for that party. And it came through for her in California because the party loyalists took a million ballots and shredded them, all of Bernie Sanders. Hey, this is in the news, folks. I'm not dreaming this up. I'm not having visions, okay? This is in the news. It might not be on CNN and all those, but see, I don't go there to look for news because they don't have news there. They have nothing but lies and propaganda. Oh, wait, that's kind of redundant, isn't it? Although, you know, propaganda can be true, too, I guess. But in this case, it's not. Now, here's something. This is off one of these liberal puke sites, okay? And and they don't give any kind of, you know, 
Here's the headline. Most Americans support gun regulation. Here is why those who don't are winning the debate. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Winning the debate? Is somebody trying to tell me that we already don't have gun regulation in the United States? Uh, I beg to differ. I own guns. I own legal guns. That I went through the background check, the whole thing. I bought them at a store. I went through the check. And I had to wait 20 days, folks. Yeah, you know why? Because, oops. You had a misdemeanor disorderly conduct in 1979. Gee, how many years ago is that? It's so many years ago, I can't even know right off the top of my head it's so long ago. I'd have to do math, and we know nobody wants to see that. I had to wait 20 days because it's so old... That my tickets aren't even on a computer. They're in a box in the basement somewhere in New Jersey that somebody had to go down there and get. Why? To find out if my disorderly conduct involved domestic violence, which in 1979 was not even a crime. Okay? So you see, that's bogus to begin with because the bottom line is this. That would be ex post facto. You can't do that. You can't go back in time and say, oh, well, we're restricting anything from you now because, you see, you did something 30 years ago that is illegal now. Even though it wasn't illegal then, it's illegal now, so we're denying your rights or privileges now because of what you did 30 years ago that was perfectly legal, but it's not anymore, so now we're denying your rights. That's ex post facto. That was, well, that's what it was written for. That's exactly what it means, and that's exactly what that is. But I had to go through that. So don't tell me that we don't have gun regulation in the United States, because we most certainly do. So I don't know what debate we're winning. It seems to me we've been losing the debate. The, hey, the Second Amendment says, shall not be infringed. What part of regulating my, my usage of guns by the government is not infringement? Wow. <sighs> I tell you, folks, it, you know, I it, it just these people just will say anything. It, it just goes to show how absolutely dishonest liberals have become. I mean, honestly. Barack Obama has shown all his little minions that, look, all you have to do is lie. You just lie and keep lying. And don't ever stop lying. Just lie, and you'll get away with it. Because we will never prosecute you for lying, yet these are the same piles of garbage that want to say, well, listen, if you deny climate change, you should be prosecuted. For 
Why? Well, for lying. You're disseminating untruth. You should be prosecuted. Yet they disseminate nothing but untruths. I mean, we are, we do, you know, you know what? Jay Shanahan on Condition Critical, I, I don't know how long ago it was, a month or two, did a great segment on all the regulations, all the laws about gun regulation. Oh, we're plenty regulated, folks. For these people to act like there are no regulations is dishonest. To act as though gun control and gun regulation actually works is dishonest. Because let's look at Chicago. I don't know, last count last night, because, uh, you know, the fourth wasn't even over yet. There were 36 shots, you know, in Chicago over the weekend. They've done better, and I'm sure they did better, you know, but the day wasn't over yet when I looked at it. But they were keeping count. Chicago has some of the most restrictive gun laws in the country or anywhere else in the world, for that matter. France has restrictive gun laws, and they've had shootings. Yeah. So to say that gun regulation prevents shootings is dishonest. Now, here's something to think about. I know this sounds communistic and stuff. And, I, you know, it's just like when I suggest that we dump the Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserve notes and we do a United States note. That's not an end solution, folks. Okay? And I never say that it is. I recognize that it is not. All right? It's a stopgap. It's a step in the right direction. Because, listen, we didn't just take a step in, oh, okay, somebody in the chat room just sent me a link here. More than 60 shot Chicago over July 4th weekend. See, last I checked, it was only 36. Now it's more than 60. Woohoo! gun control, yay, that sure works really great. Yay, let's have some of that. We could all be dead. Haven't you always wanted to be shot? I mean, because if you did, well, gun control is your baby. Anyway... Back to the what I was saying here is that, look, I don't think that's a solution. It's a step in the right direction. Because we didn't just step in a water puddle and everything go wrong in the country, and all we got to do is get our foot out of the puddle and everything will be fine. We've been at this a long time. We have walked a long, many, many miles down the wrong road in this country. And just because we stop isn't going to fix anything. Oh, it might keep things from getting worse, but it isn't going to fix anything. And even turning our little butts around and walking back down the wrong road, we're still way, way out of our way down the wrong road. It's going to take a while to walk back to where we need to be. So don't think that, uh, you know, what I'm saying here is this big solution. No, it's not. It's a step in the right direction, back down the road to try to get to where we need to be. Instead of lost in the woods like we are now. That's what I think issuing U.S. notes would be. Because U.S. notes are still fiat currency. Okay? They just don't 
bring with it interest. Now, here's something that somebody's talking about. Is it time for a New Deal federal jobs program? Well, is it? It might be. Now, look, like I said, I'm not saying that is the solution. I'm saying that's a stopgap. Folks, we got a real problem in this country. Okay, we don't have enough jobs. We don't produce anything. What is everybody going to do? Sit at home, smoke crack, and watch soap operas and and wait for the check to show up? Because that's what big, big communities are doing now. That's what all the refugees are doing. That's what all the illegal aliens are doing. And that's what all the blacks are doing. And when I say all, I know it's never all. It's never everybody. But it is a vast majority. And I'm not talking about, oh, just like I'm not talking about when I talk about Jews, I'm not talking about the beanie-wearing neighbor you got that goes to work at the factory. Well, forget that, when there was a factory, like you do. He is not trying to run the world or take over anything, okay? And when I talk about the black community, I'm not talking about every black person out there who's got a job and a family and doing the right thing. I'm talking about the ghetto slugs that live in the projects who sit around smoking crack and watching soap operas all day when they're not busy out selling little bags of heroin on the street. That's who I'm talking about. Who do you think feeds these guys? You do. Who do you think pays for their housing? You do. And I'm not just talking about you white people. You black people that do have a job, that are taking care of your families, yeah, you too. You're supporting Rufus down there in the projects, and Julio, and Abdul, all of them. So, is it time for a federal jobs program? Yes, it's busy work. Yes, it's completely socialistic. But, What happens when you start telling some of these 500-pound welfare slugs that, oh, okay, listen, you know what? Uh, We're happy to give you a place to live. We're happy to give you food. We're happy to even send you a check every month. But there's a new boss in town, and you're going to have to get up every day, and you're going to have to go to a job. I don't care. You know what? I was in Helsinki, Finland. And they have this. They're completely socialistic there. But you don't just get to sit at home and collect a welfare check. Oh, you get welfare. You get housing. You get food. You get all that. But you also have to show up to a job. Your job might be grab that broom, get out on the... Do you see that block? That whole block, all the sidewalks, everything have to be swept by you. And then there's another guy on another block. And that this is there's plenty of work in these cities. New York is one of the dirtiest cities I've ever been in in my life. Hey, buy about a million brooms. Put people to work. Do you know in Helsinki, they've got crews whitewashing buildings to keep it looking good? Because they got no work for these people either. But they can't just sit at home smoking crack watching TV. Even socialists know that's a bad plan. Oh, well, except... 
Democrat socialists here in the United States. They don't seem to get it. Everybody else does except them because, uh, well, they're dishonest. So maybe it is time. Not as a solution, as a stopgap. Anyway, I got to go. I'll be back again tomorrow. As always, thanks for listening. Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Carl Miller is an expert on the Constitution of the United States and the Bill of Rights. He has studied law for over 25 years and has a courtroom win-loss rate of over 90%. He is not an attorney. Carl prefers representing himself in propria persona, as he delights in tying federal prosecutors in knots, often winning the praise and respect of the judges at the same time. Carl is a highly decorated hero of the Vietnam War, serving in the elite Apache troop as a paratrooper and crew chief. The famous movie, Apocalypse Now, and the best-selling book, Apache Sunrise, are based on the true life experiences of this group of brave and patriotic Americans. Carl Miller was inducted into the top-secret project Blue Book, and he considers it an honor to have served in several operations supporting Lieutenant Colonel James Bo Greitz, including Operation Eagle Snatch. Carl is a veteran of hundreds of dangerous parachute jumps, breaking his legs or ankles six times, shot down four times, personally shot twice. Carl has miraculously escaped death numerous times. Carl credits divine intervention and God's providence for preserving his life unto this day so he may complete the most important mission of his life, that of teaching others the importance of the Constitution of the United States and how to use it, and by using it, thus preserving it. Carl has taught hundreds of people, including housewives and truck drivers, the fine art of arguing the Constitution and winning in court. Carl says it's easy once you know how, and a whole lot of fun, too. Good evening, folks. I want to thank you for inviting me into your home tonight to talk to you about an extremely important issue to you. I I basically uh, uh, am here to talk about the United States Constitution and our government and uh, some of the principles that... uh, 
you need to understand most thoroughly so that you can have an effective opportunity to exercise your constitutional rights. The whole purpose of this is that you understand that these these rights come from God, okay, that they are God-inspired. God is the one who, who endowed us with these rights, and that this Constitution merely uh, offers a legitimate program to protect those rights or to secure those rights and the blessings of those rights on ourselves and on our children for all time. It's important that you understand that the Constitution is uh, God-inspired. It's important that you understand that a lot of the principles that are in the Constitution actually come out of the Holy Bible, okay? And it's very important that you understand that this Constitution allows each of you each to be a king or queen in your own right, as long as you recognize one principle, that you don't ever create a situation where you take away the rights of another. So the whole point of, of having the Constitution is so that all of us can have the rights equally, and, and, and as long as we respect our neighbor and allow them also to have the rights equally, the, the, the protections are, are, are going to last forever. And, and the reality is that we are going to get thoroughly into your Constitution. We want you to find a Constitution wherever you can, and we are going to basically take you step by step through some of the most important parts of this Constitution so that you can better exercise your rights in a timely fashion. Now, the facts are simple. If you don't know your rights, you don't have any rights, and that's just the way it is. And if you certainly couldn't exercise those rights timely if you don't know what they are. So what's going to happen is they're going to tell you what your rights are, and do you think they're going to tell you in your favor? Certainly not. Now, we've come a long way to put this program on to help you. By the way, my name is Carl Miller. I want to thank you again for inviting me into your home. We're going to proceed with vigor. Uh, I should tell you a few things about me, that I'm a, a prior service soldier. I served three combat tours Republic of Vietnam. I should tell you that I was a participant in the top-secret project called Blue Book, where the officers in the jungle smelled a rat in a woodpile, and they decided to pull their, their top soldiers aside, and they come on over here. Let's come on over here. We want to talk to you. And they took their top soldiers in the corner, and they started teaching them things like duty, honor, country, pride in the Corps. They taught us history. They taught us all kind of uh, uh, programming as far as what's going on in our government. They taught us the Constitution. We had to be able to rattle the Constitution off just like we would any manual of arms. And this all took place to totally top secret so that we wouldn't offend any uh, chains of command or any uh, presidential problems similar to what uh, happened between General MacArthur. Yeah, the bottom line is uh, this was taken totally uh, upon their own, shall we say, careers to pull this thing off. And uh, they, this happened all throughout a lot of the military services in Vietnam. Uh, Marine Corps, Air Force, Army, we all, they all pulled aside their best people and they started putting everything on and teaching us our Constitution. So I'm going to try and instill in you that flame that was instilled in me over 25 years ago, in which I have, been, I have been transferring ever since. I have been fighting tooth and nail to defend the Constitution. I have helped thousands and thousands and thousands of other people do the same. I teach people how to be their own counsel, to stand up in courts of law, and be able to exercise their constitutional rights in a timely and effective manner. And uh, the good Lord willing, I'll be able to keep doing that. So why don't we uh, right now try and get into some parts of the Constitution. The most important thing that I can teach you about this Constitution is the importance of reading it. You must read the Constitution and understand what physically is involved. 
you must know your rights and timely assert them. That is your burden. If you do not, then a legal term called latches incurs is in full force. Latches is a legal term which is defined as an as a Latches is a species of action wherein a party of reasonable intelligence and integrity, having a right to take an action as is prescribed by law and having failed to timely do so, loses all right to proceed. So what is actually happening out there, folks, is that latches is incurring because most people don't read their constitution and know what's involved. So then you are left to being told, well, that's what it means. Okay, so you just got to do what you got to do, and you're told, and, and they're going to tell you in favor of them. They're not going to tell you in favor of you. So it's better for you to read the book and understand what's in it. It's not a very big book. I, I highly recommend the book. I, you can get several versions. Uh, a lot of times you contact your congressman. Uh, my congressman, Dominic Vincentini, uh, state senator, supplied this one for me. Uh, John Kuhn, a libertarian candidate, has supplied several also. Uh, some of these folks, uh, just check with your local uh, congressman or state rep. Uh, a lot of times you can, they'll just give you one. If you cannot find one, go down to your United States uh, government building here in the Detroit vicinity. We, it's called the McNamara Building on the first floor. And uh, what we do then is we uh, go into the government printing office, and usually they're about a buck. But I highly recommend you go get one. I, I don't leave home without mine. I usually have three or four of them someplace. And I hand them out also myself. I give them out to whoever. I, I think one of the most kindest things I can do to a person is give them this book and show them how it works. This book is kind of like a genie in a bottle. If you know how to stroke this book, I'm telling you, the genie comes out. And it usually, with a force, that, that you it will be clearly recognized in any court in the land. Now, that doesn't mean it'll be easy. You might have to work a little bit. But basically, there's an argument, and it comes like this. If I violate your rights, you may or may not know about it. If you know about it, you may or may not be able to do something about it. If you do have an ability to do something about it, you may or may not have the financial wherewithal to, to go to a finished program. If you do have the, the financial wherewithal, you may not have the intestinal fortitude to go to a finished program. So most of the time, your governments and your, your abusive uh, personalities in government or your corporations uh, pretty much have carte blanche to, to injure you. Because in 99.9% .9 of the cases, nobody, most people will not proceed. But every now and then, you run into that one hard nut, and he doesn't quit or she doesn't quit till. The cows come home, and what happens is that person will prevail. And those are the people that are actually generating better protections and better constitutional rights for you. Those are the ones that are going to the Supreme Courts and the Courts of Appeals and what have you that are pushing, that are spending their life funds to allow you to have the benefit. But if you aren't there to catch the benefit, then you, you the benefit is lost. So we're going to get right into the Constitution. We're going to teach you some things about it. Pay attention, because we're really doing this out of an act of love for you, and we're hoping to God you're going to pick up on it and pay attention. Okay? Now, I'm going to put one Constitution down here so the folks can see it. I will open this up from time to time to demonstrate things to you. I will basically try and read out of another Constitution so that we can better show you some of the things that are involved. Now, it's important that you understand that this Constitution is in writing. It's important that you understand that it is a legal document, okay? That it was ratified by all of the members in a Congress together, right? And that that document can be, you can get all the signatures on the document, okay? And it's important that you understand 
that there was an offer, government offered to govern. There was a consideration. The citizens considered how they were going to be governed, and government promised that they would govern by constitution. And there was an agreement. The citizens agreed that if government promised there would be a government by constitution, that they would agree to allow the constitution into force. Now, there's a unique situation here. It's very rare when you find the party of the first part, which is the congressmen, officers of the government, who are also parties of the second part, as representatives of we the people, the republic. And when they signed the document, they signed the document as officers of government, agreeing to the Constitution, and simultaneously as officers of representatives of the people in the republican form of government. And when they signed that document, that constituted a ironclad contract in writing enforceable in a court of law pursuant to the statute of frauds. Here in the state of Michigan, that's 566.132, Michigan Compile Laws Act, which basically states anything in writing is enforceable in the court of law pursuant to the statute of frauds. Now, all we're asking is that they enforce the contract. We want them to enforce the contract. In other words, if we read something in here and we got a good reason for why we believe it's the way it is, then they should honor that. And they should honor it in favor of you, the clearly intended and expressly designated beneficiary. But I'll get into that a little later. The program that you should understand, especially, is Article 6, Paragraph 2 of the Constitution. This is called the Supremacy Clause of the Constitution. It's located at Article 6. Everybody see that? Paragraph 2, which is going to start right here, and I'm going to read it to you. Okay? And basically what it says is this, this Constitution and the laws of the United States which shall be made in pursuance thereof and the treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States shall be the supreme law of the land and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby anything in the Constitution, or laws of any state to the contrary or notwithstanding. When they say notwithstanding, that means notwithstanding in law. That means that's a legal definition. Notwithstanding means notwithstanding in law. Now, a very important case, Marbury versus Madison, 5 U.S. 137. Pardon my reaching here. Marbury versus Madison, 5 U.S. 137. It's recorded at volume 5. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 